the world is full of wonders. Magic is hidden in small moments. And monsters could be hiding just out of sight. But if you're looking to find them, adventure is waiting to happen. You never know who you'll meet along the way. We are the Storyteller Squad. adventurers welcome back to the storyteller squad thanks for joining us for more monster of the week i'm going to introduce our favorite heroes your weird friend and mine a parenthetical paranormal felicity starbrook hello he's mystery buff a real nerdy athlete kind of just swole with knowledge hugo rashad we will see now won't we She's slinging salt, whether it's spells or shade. She's an omen seeker, but who's watching her? Raven Eugenia. Thank you for the finger guns. <laughs> Agent, director, sorority sister. He wants what you've got, and he's taking the shot. Damien Edgecrest. Oh, I'm clap, so clap, excited. Clap. A total sister act. Crack ships are her crack. A relationships geek. It's Bethany Miller. I'm a peace signs kind of gay. I don't do those finger guns. Mm. He's a total professional, making monsters and ghosts feel unwell. Agent Lonnie Whitaker. Been a pleasure. She's an outcast of Eden, fighting family feuds with a demon. Aiden Brightwood. Let's have an adventure. Last time, our heroes were at the Summer's Crest Mall in Autumn Falls, where they had done a lot of shopping, purchased uh, some home decor items, as well as bared their souls on a number of fronts, whether that was the preferred suit stylings or things more personal, all culminating in a post-shopping brawl with a trio of hellhounds sicked upon the heroes by Azazel, the demon of wrath. We picked up post that fight, or, or rather we ended there, but we're going to jump right back into a key moment of that fight so that we can kind of explore the events that happened in between the last couple scenes that we did. Damien, in the middle of the fight with the Hellhound, you reach out as it starts to bound after Felicity to try and catch her. And you, grabbing at its tail, are hit with a wave of fiery force as the Hellhound unleashes its burn attack on you. You then sort of slowly get up onto your knees, look at your hand, and realize that your whole body is beginning to boil, as are other heroes in the area. I think it was Whitaker, Bethany, and potentially Aiden, but I think she and Felicity were dealing with the hound. And I know Raven and Hugo, you were dealing with his injuries near the fountain. So really just two of our adventures get to witness the act itself as Damien boils and bubbles and just <laughs> splats in an explosion of green goop. So we, we sort of played out what happened with the fight. It all turned out okay. Got a little bit of help from Mira and Granny Jones, the two, two of the workers at Miscellany, a bookshop and tea cafe. But we're going to follow Damien in those moments immediately post-explosion. And Damien, you don't have a body right now. Yours having blown up. But your spirit is rocketing 
through the ether to where you're not sure. What do you think in that moment? I guess he's just like, oh, this is death. Okay. That's very Damien. But like, sort of like, oh, I guess humans have been doing this. So I guess this is kind of cool. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's sort of the thing. (laughs) Yeah, you know, that's... It's like, oh, wow, this is, this is cool. I'm going real fast. Yeah, it's a weird thing to be jealous of, but uh, that's Damien. And so as you're thinking that, you see a light, but you are approaching this light very quickly, and then all of a sudden, you're sort of just stopped. And you see a large golden arch, and on it are inscribed different carvings, runes. They seem to have bits of circuitry, energy flowing through circuits that you can kind of see transparently through the metal. It's sheeming with an opalescent strangeness. And beyond that, you see what you can only describe as paradise. It is the most, not manicured, because that gives a, a, a connotation of like fakeness, but it is nature with design in mind. It's as if someone took Uh, James Cameron's avatar and recreated it in Animal Crossing. It's like that, just that perfect level of beauty, strangeness, and pristine niceness. There are creatures you've never seen before, certainly never in the place apart, and definitely not on Earth either, but they're, they're more like the creatures of Earth, and you see these spirit-like animals, and they also have sort of a, a strangeness to them where they're not even fully organic. They have bits of like crystal and metal and wood. And, and so they're fanciful in, in their physique. I would imagine your first thought is, I want to go there. Of, of course, um, that sounds amazing. And so you find yourself in your human guise, the last one you took, and stepping towards this beautiful vista. Oh, uh, he's sprinting. Okay, great. Yeah. Or, or at least attempting to. Just full on sprint towards this. Yeah. And slam. <laughs> you are hit. As soon as you almost try to cross the barrier of those gold arches, you slam into it, fall back onto this flat plane. It's, it's strange how, like, behind this arch, there is nothingness, but it's like solid. You can kind of just exist there. And you get up and you see sort of crackling energy creating this force field and a figure of light <laughs> arrives in a lightning bolt. They're not even fully formed, but you can see like a vague humanoid shape. And they kind of tilt their head, and you are about to say something, and then <laughs> you fall away. And now you're tumbling and tumbling and tumbling. And this is when you start to feel that like <sighs> that caustic, abrasive wind, the dirt and grit that you're very familiar with. <laughs> Slam! Tiny dust impact crater. And this is where you sit up and have your interaction with Leviathan and Wrath. Honestly, the longer you spend in the place apart, the harder it is, even though it happened moments ago, while you're dealing with Leviathan, like sending a wave at you and Wrath coming to snatch you up in her jaws and question you and whatnot. The whole time you're a little preoccupied, being like, that place was so cool. What was it? What was it about that place? And it's starting to like slip from your memory. You can't quite hold on to that thing that you saw but you just know it was amazing so that's where we'll leave damien because we know where you wind up after arrest questions him for everyone else we'll pick up while the fire department is is putting out the the fire in the mall and you realize like once you're outside and the danger of the monster has passed that the fire in the mall 
was less comprehensively damaging than you thought it might be. Like posters were burned, some of the like plants in the center planters were were destroyed, uh, and will obviously have to be replaced. But because the mall is made of tile and aluminum and glass, and none of the like, you guys didn't really go into any of the clothing shops where a lot of stuff would have burned up. Basically, overall, the Summer's Crest Mall will bounce back from this, and relatively quickly, despite otherworldly monsters coming to wreak havoc. And the, the fire chief, perhaps Agent Whitaker, you overhear this, is like questioning folks, and he's trying to like figure out like faulty wiring. Did we catch a cinder from that forest fire that people were putting out the other, you know, that afternoon, same day? They are obviously trying to come up with more mundane explanations as to what could have caused a fire. But you are all there in various states of wellness and reeling from the fact that Damien is gone. Whitaker has begun to type up just a report in the notes of his phone. He's very businesslike about the whole deal. Stephanie is in her car doing her yes. thing. Hugo, I think you were being seen to, or were either going to be driven to home or to the hospital based on your injuries. I think he's supposed to go to the hospital, but he ends up just grabbing his bike because it's still on top of a car. I'm going to have to stop you there, mate. Yeah, we're not letting Hugo ride his bike. We... <laughs> I will drive him home if that's what he wants, but he's not riding his bike there. That's the smart thing to do. Anybody else got something? Whitaker also... Oh, actually, go ahead, Felicity. Can I look around to see if I can find Mira? Is she... Did they evacuate? They did leave. You don't see them immediately, like, amongst the people here. Okay. She and Granny Jones seem to be gone. Wait, I have beginning of the game things that I have to do. You do. Oh, me too. All right, let's see if I get my premonition. Last time didn't end too well. <laughs> 12. So I get a detailed vision of something bad that is yet to happen. You take plus one forward to prevent it coming true. Okay. You get a vision of Damien held by the throat by a woman in an all-black suit in what seems to be a desert. And her fingers are glowing like hot pokers from a, a fire going towards him to uh, torture him or, or cause him pain in some way. And she just has this sinister look on her face and Damien seems to be not panicking, but just sort of squirming and trying to figure out a way out of his predicament. So that's the vision you get. And you quickly flash back okay. uh, to the present. Um, I have to roll for my connect the dots. I can ask some questions. Maybe not. <laughs> that is the six. No okay. questions today. No questions. You're dealing with your friend who's hurt. You don't have time to really connect the dots. <laughs> it makes sense. Bethany, you're in your car. You yeah. sort of took a moment to yourself after mm -hmm. that harrowing ordeal. What yeah. is she up to? She's holding a clay pot, and I think she's just doing what she did when she lost friend. She's doing what she did when Raven was put in the hospital, which is she's just blasting that sad music. She's just doing that, that good sob with a capital S. Damien was like probably the closest thing you've had to making a friend since the breakup and everything, right? Yeah, I mean, besides maybe like her coworker. <laughs> I think, she's pretty good with Taylor. <laughs> yeah, she and Taylor are pretty close. I think that it's, it's also that after her graduation, when she was broken up with right before she walked, which is a humiliating and very anxiety-inducing experience, she was like, this is the most I'll ever anxious in my entire goddamn life. And now she is 
in a situation where she nearly lost someone that she absolutely loved for a good portion of her life and probably still cares about. And someone that she's begun to love, who she thought she was finally kind of becoming buddies with and getting very close to. Uh, in the way that Damien gets close to people, she doesn't totally understand fundamentally what's going on with him. She doesn't really have a solution. It's the solution she had for Brent and the solution she thought she had for Raven, which is to to sit in her car and to blast the music. And in context, Damien was, quote unquote, a monster, right? Yeah. And every other monster that you've encountered in the last 48 hours has been destroyed and brushed away as if they didn't exist. Her, the actions of... Agent Whitaker and Hugo and everyone else, yeah. basically, who has agreed these shouldn't be here and we don't want people knowing they were. So there's sort of a worry there that maybe Damien will also be another smudge on the glass pane of time yeah. to just be cleaned away. <laughs> I think on, on top of that, there is a level of she desperately wants to go to everybody else right now, but there's, there's no way. One of them is, is this weird old man who's part of an agency who would probably just like take it as evidence. One of them is someone who is very quiet and doesn't seem equipped to really handle what's going on. Aiden is probably the closest to the person she could talk to about it, but Aiden didn't like Damien. She doesn't have anyone she feels like she can really talk to about it in the group. Because Damien mm-hmm. is the person she would have talked to about it. Because right. Damien's been good at mirroring what she was feeling. So she's, mm-hmm. she's trying to cope alone. She's going it alone in the car. That's a very long explanation to say she is crying. My other hunters, where are you all at? It doesn't seem, Agent Whitaker, like you need to do a lot of cleanup. Probably a a single text or email to EC Agency headquarters will be able to get the security tapes seized uh, and destroyed in some way, or simply archived, you know, for research footage purposes. Because you all did a pretty good job last game of making people run away and leave quickly, there don't seem to be a lot of like witnesses or people claiming like, I saw flame and hellbeesh, you know, there's none of that hysteria going on. It's more just people being like, oh, I hope everyone got out okay. Oh man, I left my bags in there. Everything's going to be ruined. Normal concerns when your mall catches fire. Hugo specifically is kind of zoning out and panicking because he's realizing that now they are directly being targeted by something which is going to cause more issues of trying to keep things secret. Mm. He is not in a good place. Felicity wants to go home. That's it. She's like, this. I went from zero people to finally making a friend, and then he's dead. So she's just, after she starts looking for Mira, completely checks out. I guess she walks up to Raven, and she goes, um, can you bring me home, please? Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to hop in the car? I'm going to get Hugo settled in the car too. Make sure he's not in a ton of pain. Very quickly yeah. before you all leave, can I get some verbal confirmation that you won't speak of what you saw today? Yeah, of course. Thank you. Aiden looks at you, Whitaker. She you says, and I need to um, talk. Agreed. But I will not be talking to anyone else outside of this. And she kind of points at the little group you guys have formed. Aiden, do you need a ride home too? I I can't remember how we all got here, honestly. So uh, like this day has lasted for Yeah, the original car groups I think were Bethany, Hugo, Felicity, and then Raven and Aiden. But there's definitely room for the four of you in your car, Raven. So you can yeah. take, take everyone except the agent and Bethany who Yeah. Will have to take her own car, whether she goes by herself or not, is sort of dependent on what people do in response to her separating. Um, is Raven's car Raven? a bike rack? Do we put Hugo's bike on Raven's car or Bethany's car? I don't remember. 
Just Bethany's. It, it was, was on Bethany's, Bethany's car. car. Which I think okay. honestly makes a little more sense that Bethany would have those like mounter things on top for camping oh, yeah. and trips and stuff with the family. Whereas like Raven, hmm, not. I've been <laughs> I've been picturing Raven driving like the family Toyota Corolla or something. Like it's yeah. just an old kind of <laughs> shitty car that still works. So it yeah. definitely doesn't have a bike rack. But it's it's can... a squ- it's a square Toyota. It's before Toyota got round. <laughs> yes. We can start it out. We'll out Raven wants to talk to Bethany. I think she's gonna she's gonna knock on the window. I think she can tell that Bethany's like sobbing and doesn't want to just open the door and scare her. She's gonna She like, can hear the sad bass emanating from the you car. Can, you can hear the Sam Smith that also changes into like very angry like my chemical romance. You can hear it kind of going in and out. That makes Raven so happy. <laughs> just a tiny bit deep in her heart. She's so happy she's listening to my chemical romance. But she's gonna she's gonna like <laughs> tap on the window and see if Bethany wants to talk. Yeah, uh, Bethany removes, like, she has, like, one of those, like, dry cleaning things over it. <laughs> like, I'm crying. I'm secret. She sees it's Raven. Grabs, like, six oh. tissues and smears, like, the shit of any mascara she's had on. Cracks the door open and she's like, hey! No judgment. I told you Raven's already been crying. Mm-hmm. And so she's got, like, the mascara lines, too. So, no judgment. If, um... If Hugo needs the bike rack, we can switch cars and I can just drop your car back off tomorrow if that helps. <laughs> I'm, I'm okay. I just um, got uh, uh, some sadness in my eye. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. It's okay. You don't, don't worry about it. I was thinking maybe you could just follow me back to Hugo Naden's apartment and then we can just grab the bike off. You don't have to worry about it. I just wanted to see if you were okay to drive. If you're not, we can we can wait here for a little bit longer. That's that's totally cool too. I don't think you need like an alcohol test, like breathalyzer, for being sad. Okay. You know, it's just uh, what the fuck happened. <laughs> what the fuck was that? And she just... Raven's gonna Raven's gonna like sit in the car for a sec. She's gonna sit down at close door, and she'd be like, "Dude, I don't, I don't fucking know." You were, like, you saw what happened, right? Did you? I I was with Hugo. I don't, I don't know what happened. I just know that Damien's gone, and I don't understand. I don't know how heaven and hell work. He just, like, he, he poofed out of existence. Maybe, maybe he's just not on earth anymore. No, he was here, and she, like, starts gesturing frantically with this clay pot. She's like, he was in here, and he just, he's gone now. I don't know what happened. I did everything. I tried everything, and he's gone. I couldn't fucking fix it, Raven. I, I think this might be too big to fix on our own. I, I believe you that you tried. I mean, all the shit that we've learned recently about things that exist that we didn't know about, I, I don't think it's something that we can do by ourselves. I think, yeah, I think we need some time to make sure that everyone's okay, but I think we need to get back together and have a little meeting and figure out where to go next. I don't think any of us should be alone for too long. Yeah, I'm good. 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 Raven's just gonna lean over and, like, pat her shoulder. Oh, she fucking hugs Raven. Absolutely not. None of that weird. She will allow Bethany to hug her. I assume that uh, when Bethany hugged her, she, like, pinned her arms down a little bit, (laughs) like, hugged her, and so she's gonna, as best she can, hug her back and give her a little pat. I'm so sorry. I'm so, so, so sorry. Raven's just gonna keep, she's not gonna let go, she's gonna keep hugging her and just keep patting her back until Bethany decides to let go. It's a while. That's okay. 
it's like a maybe yeah just a minute or two like it's just there's a lot of just very long drawn out sorries i'm okay okay you maybe you should just go home like you know take a no, shower no. and chill out and then we can get back together soon we should we should plan to get back together and talk no let's 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 talk let's talk now and not just us two uh yeah way. no i i, I want to talk yeah. to everybody maybe yeah. aiden or hugo's since we're all kind of heading there that sounds good okay um, i'm gonna i'm i have to drive them but i'll see yes. you there yep i'll see you there whitaker's gonna watch raven leave and then he's he, he he was sort of like watching the two of them for for a bit there sort of finishing up the little notes on his phone mm-hmm. and like i'm just gonna like look down at his report back at bethany and then he's gonna walk over there he's also gonna give a little on the window she opens she like kicks open the other door the pass to the passenger seat hey there miss miller um listen it's not the first time i've lost someone in the field before if you'd like to talk about it at all i know i'm not i know you don't know me that well and i know we haven't really um discussed things but it's hard to find people to talk to especially when circumstances make it difficult to talk to anyone so if you need an extra an extra listener i'm around bethany closes his door she leans across just like closes it and she turns up the music and she looks over at him she says are you really making Raven an agent? Has Raven left the car at this point? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Whitaker okay. waited until she was gone. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we, like, kind of switched places. Raven got mm-hmm. back in her car and is going to... Tag-teamed. Go get him. <laughs> the, Bethany the Miller relay race. <laughs> Whitaker nods. Uh, yes, I had hoped to extend the offer of a posting to her since she had some experience in the field and uh, a lot of background with the supernatural. She has not yet accepted, but hopefully, I, I'm hoping she'll change her mind, especially if she plans to entangle herself in more situations like these. Why do you ask? I know a candidate that is got a, a 3.6 GPA, graduated from Stanford, and she pulls out her phone, and she has like her PDF of her resume, and she pulls up and she hands it over. Make me an agent. He, he looks at her phone, at her, at her, <laughs> at her resume. And back at her. Look, hear me out. FBI, CIA, they hire psychology students outside of undergrad. They hire them to do forensic psychology. You're going to hire me. You are going to teach me to fight. More importantly, you are going to teach me to make sure this shit doesn't happen to the first person I ever loved and someone that I consider to be a very close friend of mine. Okay? You see how I do. If I don't die, if you don't die, you, I don't know, sponsor my trip to get my PhD or something. And then I work for you guys. I never have to talk to you. I never have to talk to Raven. We can pretend this isn't happening. In fact, I would prefer it not to because I don't want it to seem like I'm copying her. But I'm a good fit. If anything, I'm a better fit than Raven. If you put me to the test, I can prove I'm good for it. I can still do perfect front splits, not side splits. So it takes a lot of work and a lot of stretching. But I can do perfect front splits. You, um, Can I get a manipulate roll, please, Bethany? <laughs> yes, absolutely. And this is more just for flavor to see, like, how convincing this argument sounds. That's a six, so not very convincing. It probably doesn't help that she's crying a lot. Yeah, so, like... Whitaker sees in- tons of resumes from professionals all across the world. <laughs> listen, listen, Miss Miller, I, I know you're really upset right now, and I'm really sorry. <sighs> 
but this is actually a surprisingly very impressive resume and you have proven yourself at least that you're able to survive two separate violent supernatural altercations so i'm not sure if i can pass you along to the eastie agency yet but i would be a fool not to at least give you a bit of combat training or extra pointers in these sorts of situations in case you yourself get into them again i can give you some basic training and if you excel in that then uh yeah i can i can start to pass you along to the agency recruiting system best case scenario i become an agent i beat you out i'm the best agent they've ever had worst case scenario i die and what do you got to do just cover that up there's three other people that look just like me maybe four if you count the one in new york Bethany, I, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I, I'm gonna be very sincere with you right now. We are not gonna let you die. That's because that's you get more experience if you keep me alive. <laughs> yeah, you get a lot of experience if you make an effort to keep me alive. Yes, I get three extra XP <laughs> points if I finish a mission with um all all civilians still alive. Oh, good. I'm glad. I'm glad. Look, I just I don't want to be here again. Mostly because I've listened to all of this album. Try Raleigh Ritchie's Stronger Than Ever. That's a personal favorite. Thanks. I'll, uh, I'll he played Grey Worm in Game of Thrones. He's actually a very good rapper. Okay. <laughs> I want to go over to Felicity. You've been waiting in Raven's car, right? Yeah. I'm just sitting in Raven's car. You're sitting there in the car. Aiden gets in, sits there for a second, rubs her forehead with her, with her fingers, and then her head pops up for a second, looks around really quickly, turns back to you, Felicity. I'll be right back. And she does her like glow and vanish trick. Maybe like a minute goes by and you're like starting to get a little worried. Usually it's a quick thing. Like last time she did this, she just like popped there, popped back. But she appears outside the car, loaded up with all you guys' stuff that you bought in the mall. And it's, and it's so much that she kind of like thuds against the car and like a lot of it drops and like things are spilling out. And then she's just sort of like that person at the grocery store whose bags have ripped open at the bottom. One trip. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. You can tell some of it is charred because like you guys are right next to the hellhounds, but she basically went in and salvaged what she could and calls over as she's awkwardly picking things up and like reaching under the car to like grab a candle that rolled under it or whatever. Raven, could you open your trunk? Yeah, Raven pops it. <laughs> okay. Together, you guys put all this stuff in the car. Mm -hmm. um, and then she gets in and just like deflates into the seat in the back next to you, Felicity, for the next few moments. And she's actually holding her hand, the one that she was like hitting the wolf with and that his like bit. You can see there's like some char marks, some burns uh, of some kind on her, on that arm. But she's ready to go. She's just waiting for Raven and Hugo. Yeah, Felicity is just staring at nothing. Mm -hmm. She's like, I just, I need to go home. I need to go home. I think Ghosty and Tom are doing the therapy pet mm -hmm. thing where they're just like in your lap, probably curled up and just like being with you. And she's just sitting there and she just keeps repeating like, I need to go home. I need to go home. She'll do that until someone okay. talks to her. <laughs> I, I mean, Aiden like might be thinking of something to say, but she she's having her own internal monologue happening right now. So unless someone asks her about that, I'm not going to just spill it. Or Raven and you go. <laughs> You guys are the last to sort of need to leave. Yeah, or, Raven's not getting agree. in her car until Hugo gets in. I imagine this whole time she's been trying to tell him to please sit down. Please yeah. get in my car. 
Hugo is literally just, if there's wood line nearby, just looking directly at it while everyone else is doing whatever they're doing. And then eventually he turns around and heads to the guard. Looking at wood? Wood line. If there is any shrubbery and trees and all the goodness. Okay. I mean, there are some sparse hedges on the outside of the mall that, like, didn't catch. That works. So I think at this point, you guys are all going to head back to the, the mill apartments. Did we give the name to those? If not, we should. Hugo, you live there, and Aiden's the only other person who lives there, but what do you want to name them? What's the word for winter and then winter? <laughs> I thought we called them, like, the riverfront or something. Not to take yeah. away from a really fun theme, but no, I thought they were just, like, the riverfront apartments or something. Yeah, that makes more sense. We'll come up with whatever our winter, winter location place is. <laughs> so, before we drive there, if, yeah. if Felicity has been saying that she wants to go home, Raven's going to ask her, do you want me to bring you home? Like, we're all going to gather at Aiden and Hugo's, but I will take you home if that's where you need to go. Just for a second. Okay, we can swing by your house then, and Raven will drive to Felicity's first. So you pull up to the Starnbrook residence. What do you do when you get there, Felicity? Doesn't say anything to anybody, gets out of the car, and goes straight for the swing. Raven's just like, do you want us to wait? Okay, we'll wait. We'll give her a couple minutes. Raven, you notice that Aiden is watching Felicity super intently yeah like still holding that arm of hers that got uh got burned up raven's handed out water bottles that she keeps in her trunk to (laughs) everybody in the car (laughs) i believe it's afternoon at this point would your mom be home felicity no i don't think so probably not yet yeah she's out okay you go to your swing then what do you do there i'm gonna sit i'm gonna face the tree and i'm gonna wait a few minutes go by you actually think back And it's not a vision, you're just having a memory. I want to explore the very first time Felicity met Ghosty. Okay. You had said that you met him on a camping trip, right? Yeah, it was when I was at summer camp. You're being driven to summer camp. Your mom and your dad are in the front seat of the car. And they're just chatting. You pull up and you're very, probably excited, maybe a little bit nervous, but mostly excited. Because you've never been to camp. And your parents have really hyped it up. It's like, ooh, 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 you're going to have such a fun time. You're going to make all these new friends. You get out, you're introduced to the camp counselors. And essentially, it's like free time in like the, the registration area. While the parents do all the paperwork, their young kids are allowed to go and like meet other kids, play with the sandbox and like the swing set and stuff. And you notice as you're just sort of like scanning the crowd essentially for like people you see a little critter running around. And you're like, oh, a chipmunk. But no, not a chipmunk. Whoa, that's weird. So you go and investigate. How, did, how does little Felicity look? Is her hair basically the same, like, curly oh, it's, mess? Or? Yeah, it's a big <laughs> mess. Her parents try to teach her, you know, how to take care of it, how to keep it out of her face. But she's kind of a rough and tumble little kid. Really loves getting dirty and playing outside. And- yeah. Her hair has dirt and bits of leaves and <laughs> all that kind of stuff in it. So you go over, how do you approach this creature? I'm going to do that thing that little kids do where they squat a little bit and they look at it mm-hmm. and then stand up a little and walk a little couple more steps towards it and squat again. Hello, you're weird. This little spirit stands up on his back legs like a, a rabbit might, turns to you and like cocks his little bird skull head with his little feather. 
that kind of flicks and flicks in the wind a little bit, almost looks like it's sensing. You see another kid running by with like a bubble wand or whatever. And for a moment, you're like, he's going to step on it. And, and his foot does go through Ghosty, but almost as if Ghosty's not there. And Ghosty doesn't flinch or anything and like comes over to you now, curious, why is, does this human see me? Comes up to you uh, very timid, but not so timid that he's going to run away. Felicity is going to reach into her pockets. She has a tiny crushed packet of, you know, those crackers that you get with soup? She has those and she's gonna open it up and take yep. a little cracker out and okay. try to coax him over a little bit yeah he, he comes over and like snatches it and like looks at it for a second <laughs> and then like kind of like <laughs> with his like little beak uh, and eventually pops the whole thing in his mouth without really chewing it at all because he doesn't have teeth and then like comes over and like crawls up your knee because now sitting on your your knee as you're squatting there regarding you and being like Hurr. i'm gonna give him a little pat on the head and I'm going to say, okay, you're nice. Uh, mom! And your mom turns from the registration. She's like, just a minute, sweetie. Mom, I found an animal. And at that, she kind of like whips her head like, what? And like, <laughs> she doesn't see you holding anything. So she's just <laughs> like, yeah, that's nice. And like goes back to like filling out the paperwork. You hear behind you, who's that? And you turn. And we see a, a small little girl in like light blue overalls with like a sunflower on the front and dark hair uh, has like a curlip in it to keep her bangs out of her face. It's a young raven. I'm so excited that you described her like that. I <laughs> something I can see your hand reaching towards the unmute. She's like, "That's me." It's gonna be me. <laughs> so happy. She has hippie parents. They're putting her in all kinds of ridiculous rainbow clothing. Right. It's one of those, like, big plastic clips with something stupid on it. It's <laughs> so bright. Yeah, it's like a bee. <laughs> Got little, like, rainbow plastic shoes. Mm -hmm. She so, does the little kid squat thing, too. She, like, squats next to you and stares at Ghosty. What is um, that? He's an animal, I found. He likes those crackers that you get in soup. What kind of animal is he? Mm, something. Can I pet him? Yeah, well... <laughs> Ask him. Okay. And she like leans in close and is like, can I pet you? So like so kinda, reach her hand out caught, like not touch him yet, but like, like with a dog where you're yeah. like, do you want to smell me? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he bops some of your fingers with the tip of his beak, looks at Felicity and is like, huh? And right around this time, you hear another voice coming from the, the jungle gym of the playground. So I'm in charge and now you're all <laughs> going to listen to me because I'm the princess. And you see a young Bethany Miller hanging upside down, like monkey style, from the monkey bars, <laughs> while like a few other little girls and boys are like, you know, running around and playing. And that's where we're going to end that little flashback, Felicity. You remember the first time you all met while you're sitting there waiting for the grandma tree to talk to you. You see one leaf and slowly start descending. And as it's falling, you hear the voice on the wind. You see upset what happened i finally made a friend and i was employed for a moment but he's gone and i tr i tried to stay with him and i just want to i just want him back and i don't i don't know what to do and i just need him back and i thought maybe you could tell me how to do that 
and the leaf continues to flip and it's almost like it's being kept aloft by constant cross breezes and you hear her say nothing is ever truly gone my girl no but you don't understand he boiled and he's in a pot now strange friend you have made i mean yeah what'd you really expect though the leaf does a little loop-de-loop that's fair (laughs) (laughs) she says still my point stands wherever he is gone it is just to a different place but how how i need him in this place the leaf now is very close to the ground and the last thing she says is dangerous magics that I wouldn't go looking for something you're not ready to find. Be careful, Felicity. And the leaf hits the ground. All right, I'm going back to the car. Raven and Hugo, you're there in the in the car, just sitting, waiting. Aiden has like gotten out and is pacing next to the car, like she couldn't sit still, and she's she's kind of muttering to herself. Raven's just gonna like roll down the window once Aiden gets out of the car to start pacing and be like, "Are you, are you good? Do you just, are you good?" Uh, I'm not injured, and like doesn't answer like if she's okay or not, but she's just like kind of blows it off with that like sidestep of an answer. That's oddly familiar. <laughs> yeah, how's it feel, Hugo? Hugo <laughs> mm, mm, mm. feels feel that like- somewhere deep in his gut. <laughs> He's like, mmm. <laughs> I feel like Raven and Hugo are just staring at Felicity being like, what do you think she's doing over there? I don't know. Is she just sitting there? Like, should we, should we go? Yeah, she's just on the swing. Felicity is so crying, and you can tell. Oh, like while like, she's on the swing? Yeah. Mm. Maybe she 100%. just needs a minute. Like, we're just, I feel like it's just chit-chat of staring at her the whole time. Might need, like, seven, seven minutes, maybe eight minutes. Ada makes to, like, she's going to go walk over there, takes, like, two steps, just shakes her head and comes back, starts pacing in a different part in front of the car. Clearly, like, wants to go talk to Felicity, but isn't. Aiden, are you sure you're good? She looks at you, Hugo. No, uh, this is my fault, and I, I think I have to leave, but I, I don't want to, uh. and, and she's just stammering over her words. Leave, like, go where? Like, back to your house? Because that's where we're going to go soon. No, 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 I can't. The longer I'm around, you're going to be in danger again. I, I can't, I can't let that happen. And as she says that, she, like, looks back over at Felicity. Well, I'm fairly certain we're already in danger, so not much you can do about that. I could, I could vanish. I could, I could go into hiding again. That doesn't guarantee it would stop it. We don't know that this is your fault. What if you leave and we still get attacked? And then we're both just separated. I think we need to stick together. She gets back in the car. And now instead of like holding under her hand, she's tracing her finger around the stitching of one of the patches on her jeans. Got her head against like the glass of the window. Raven's going to like sit sideways in the driver's seat and kind of reach over and pat her knee. Just try and comfort her. Raven's yeah. really bad at this stuff, but she's yeah. trying so hard. We'll leave on that, and Felicity, at this point, you you come back and join everyone after your conversation with Grandma Oak. So, how badly do we want to bring Damien back? Because I know I do really badly, and I just need to make sure I'm on the same page as you guys. And when you say that, Aiden's just like, what? (laughs) (laughs) 
Bring him back? You have to know where he went in order to bring him back. He's not dead? The tree said he's in a different place, but we can bring him back here. I can bring him back here. The tree? Yeah, that's who I went to talk to. That's why I needed to come home. Okay. Do you in the space? Are you sure? I am absolutely positive. Aiden says, Felicity, how are you? You're not a witch. No, but I'm definitely something because clearly talking to the tree is not a normal thing that other people can do because every single time that I mention that I'm talking to my tree, who's pretty much like my grandmother, all you guys look at me super weird. So there's something and I'm something and I can bring him back. She does have a good point. Yeah. I just, I need you to be sure because I don't, I don't want to try something and get your hopes up and Bethany's hopes up. I don't want to get our hopes up and then have it not work. If we're going to try and do something crazy, we need to be sure. I have watched too much FMA. Mm. At this point, uh, I think Felicity's outburst. Bethany's got out of the car. I heard the sound of someone asserting themselves who usually doesn't. What's happening? I talk to trees. I'm not normal. And we're bringing Damien back. You're all aware that you are not normal. Super positive you <laughs> talked to trees since I first met you. That is not a surprise to me. We're bringing Damien back? Yeah, the tree told me I could. You're magic, but you can't stop death. That's not... We don't know if he's dead. He's a demon. He wasn't a person. We, he, like I said, maybe he's just somewhere else. Aiden, where do demons go when they die? She has this look of, like, cannot believe we're discussing this. A demon? You want to bring a demon back? When you ask that question, Hugo, she looks at her hand, and when she turns it over, on the back of it, there are burn marks in the shape of a hand from when she punched at Wrath's reflection and Wrath caught it. And then she holds up her other hand and looks at that one, and it's fine. And she remembers that that's the hand that Damien grabbed, where nothing happened. I can tell you where they go. Damien is something else. Damien, you are on the shores of Leviathan's Lake. And you know these shores. This is where you were formed. This is where you, your first memories are, is on this, like, desolate beach. And I want to flash back again to your being made. And so your very first memories are of sobbing, that low, mournful sob, and cold, and then wetness, and then sand, and then you sort of come into existence, and you are here on this beach, and you see what appears to be a humanoid, because you're a demon, right? You don't have the like being born process of like, what's a human? What's all this? Like you're just created with some knowledge of the way the world and the universe works. And so you see this figure scaly, but slick and smooth with wet and kind of like an oily sheen, dark, dark hair made almost of seaweed and tangled vegetation. And they're sort of just hunched over on a rock, just making this low mournful sound. And you know, this is your princess, this is Leviathan, demon lord of envy. Is there anything, is there like seashells or anything on the beach at all? No, there's no, there's no life here. And no so, bones or anything? No bones, no. There is, however, you notice, objects 
occasionally a, a wave, a single wave will like and break on the shore and then pull away. And behind it are things like bottle caps and staplers and alarm clocks and just junk, basically. Oh, some of it is grab some of that and bring it over to her. And so your little slime body kind of just goes over, picks up that thing, hands it to her. And she like, sort of ploops it on the ground next to her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she and she looks and is like and like wipes her her nose and like eyes of like the snot and tears and everything. And it's green too. And she like picks up what what is the object you you decided to take from the beach and hand to her? Uh he would have wanted to grab like a handful of stuff. So, it's so it would have been like smaller debris. So I like the bottle caps, a stapler, a flashlight, a pen. Yeah. She looks at the things. She takes a couple of them up and is just kind of looking at them. Her sobbing subsides for a little bit. Her sadness becomes more of an anger and a resentment in that moment. And she hurls the objects outwards into that lake and they fall without making a splash and she turns to Damien go run over to some of the objects and start throwing them in the ocean no 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 no. that's not how that's not quite how his like thing works when he's next to his creator it's less I have to do what she does your purpose is to serve her you know that inherently and so she looks at your little form and she says find me something else of theirs. And goes back to crying. He gloops emphatically, yes. Yeah, oh yeah, I'll go get more stuff. And so you into the water, and then you're on the earth, and you're walking amongst humans. Wow, they're weird. That's cool. Look at that thing. What's that? Blown away by what the earth is like. And so you go to this tailor's shop, and he's working on something and he's grumbling about it. And you notice he has this nice set of tools, but they're old and worn. And you also see across the street, there's another tailor's shop with a fancier sign and a newer looking window display. And you instinctively know, I bet she'd love these tools because I like them. I want them a lot. And so you go over and you take a, a small like flat nosed hammer and, and you do this by like phasing through a wall, quickly snatching it. And as you away with the hammer, and this is sort of invisible to you, but for like the story purposes, a little bit of the man when he goes to reach for that hammer and it's not there and he's just like, God, oh, where did it go? Damn tools. And he's all upset. A little bit of light leaves him and is drawn to that hammer that you're holding. And so when you reappear just sliming off the beach and now you see there are other envy demons and they're different colors of slime some of them are a little more formed they're less like goop piles and more just like detritus that has been cobbled together into a shape so like crabs made of trash and and junk and that sort of thing but you coming over blah blah blah, you're waiting your turn right because there's a line now and this black, oily sludge creature that's just sort of bubbling and popping and stretching every time it wants to, like, move forward in the line. And it looks down at you and says, You're new. What you got? Uh, it's shiny and it's a hammer. Too right, mate. He uh, holds up what looks to be, like, a fine candlestick. Old lady likes shiny things. I think you're gonna do well. 
Uh, Do you want to trade? <laughs> oh, it's not allowed, mate. And when he says that, the candlestick he's holding glows a little bit. And it's kind of like an orangey light. And your hammer glows a little bit. This one's more of a yellow. And he's like, everything we give over has been marked. You see it's his turn. He climbs forward into line and hands over this candlestick. And when Leviathan takes it from him, the light within that candlestick travels down her arm into her abdomen, chest area. And when it reaches there, that's when she like stops crying for a second and admires the workmanship on this candlestick. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Very, nice. Very nice. The black sludge melts away and goes back to do another trip. That glowing light within her stays for a moment, two moments, and then it fades away, and her tears start again. And now it's your turn, and you go and hand over the hammer in the same process. She takes it, admires it for a minute, and then drops it, tosses it, abandons it, starts crying again. You're like, well, that didn't work. I gotta go again. And so essentially, Damien, this is your life for a long time. You go, you get these objects. When you take them from the human, that little bit of light goes into the object and you bring it back and Leviathan takes it, makes her happy for like a couple moments and then not enough, got to get something else. What time period do you think his uh, theft occurs? 1980s, 1990s. Okay, 1980 something. You've been, you've been on Earth a little longer for this trip. You're really trying to like, you're like, this time, this is going to be the time where I finally give her the thing that's going to cheer her up and like solve all the problems because you're can a real it, Can goat. it be like a music thing? Yeah. Like, like, a stare, like a headset or something? Yeah, totally. So you've been, you've actually like prolonged this journey. It's less of a like go and grab. You've actually like mm. come up with a plan. You've staked it all out. You're like, I'm going to get in. I'm going to take this guy's thing. I'm going to make sure he loves it first. Maybe I'll gift it to him first. Then take it away. Oh, it'll be so good. (laughs) And so when it comes time, when you're finally ready to go and and steal whatever it is, this headset or whatever, the guy has just been listening to it and he he sets it down and goes off to deal with like a customer in the, the record shop. And you creep into the back room, grab this headset. And for a moment you think, yeah, this'll be it. And then you get the idea like, you know, he put this on his head. Do you put it on? Absolutely. Just sort of like absentmindedly like, oh yeah, do what they do, put it on your head, hit play, and let me go back down to mm-hmm. my thing and do my yep. thing. And ooh. So, ooh, it's jamming. What is this feeling? Oh my gosh. And the guy comes back and he says, what are you doing back here? Do you bolt? What do you do? Yeah, okay. yeah, he just bolts with it. All right, so you try to go past him and he stops you in the doorway. No, man, give me my thing. You've been here a week. You're not allowed I, I, to take I stuff. I need these. I, uh, I need these. And uh, I'm just going to take the, the life essence straight from him, cutting out the middleman with the items here. Mm-hmm. You put your hand on this guy's chest and... And he... I don't well, think it would be enough to kill him. I'm not that powerful. It's a lot. He definitely blacks out and rolls off. And that light that normally just a little bit of it comes out and goes into the object you're taking, a lot of it comes out of him and goes into your hand and travels down your arm and up into your core and it's like your heart beats for the first time the world the color seems to snap into like vibrance and you're like whoa and you have a like euphoria moment where you just phase through the ground and descend almost like you're hurtling towards the core of the earth and eventually you climb out of the water like you normally do slime form again and you've got the headphones <laughs> i'm gonna give such a good present to my queen you go over to her and 
when you hand over the headphones, she takes them and then she looks at you and she says, You have not given everything, servant. And you're just like, Yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, it is. There's like a crab made of broken bottles and, and wood and driftwood and things. And it's like, Hey, you're holding up the lawn. Just give it over to the mistress. I, I, I'm trying. I, I, I did. I, I gave her the thing. And Leviathan rises. You've never really seen her like at her full height or like really her whole self because she's always been like sitting on this like rocky throne. So you've only seen like that human upper torso basically, that like mermaid look. Dating goes uh, and, flat like eggs. Yeah, I know. You're just like, yipe! And she <laughs> rises up. And when she does, the water in the lake starts to churn and froth and bubble. Give it yeah. to me! And reaches down with a huge clawed webbed hand that starts to disproportionately grow in size to not be the right shape of an arm for a person of her size. And you panic. So you slip into the water and you're back on earth you think i don't think i'm gonna go back i don't really have to go back this place is pretty good and put your hands in your pockets and just kind of stroll down the avenue of this little sleepy town that you have wound up in in 1985 we will cut back to our group you guys have arrived at riverview apartments once you're inside i assume hugo you're gonna try and splint your leg or come up with something. It'll work on it. What's everyone else going to do? I am telling everybody that we're going to bring Damien back and there's no, there's nothing to worry about. Mm -hmm. It'll all be fine. Whitaker pulls up in his car, (laughs) gets out, hears this, gets back in his car. (laughs) (laughs) Would you have followed them there? I thought it had been said that we were going to meet up at the apartments, and he wanted to speak to Aiden anyway. True. He did say he wanted to speak to Aiden. Okay. Wasn't he in the car with Bethany? No, he has his own no, car. No, he had to take his oh, own Oh, that's car. right. I think we would have established we're meeting up at Aiden and Hugo's. You are yeah. welcome to join. And yep. so he probably didn't follow us to Felicity's, but he was there waiting. Okay. Yeah, he, he was like not that. at Felicity's. Yeah. Fair enough. They sound like they want to bring Damien back. How do you feel about that? <laughs> Explain this to me. I don't know how. Listen, Felicity, I know you're very upset, and it is quite a traumatizing event for sure. Um, I believe this is stage one of grief. I'm not. We're bringing him back. There's no reason for us to be sad. He's going to come back. I talked to the grandmother tree, and she told me. Can Raven do some searching on her blog? while they're talking. Is she searching for stuff on how to bring Damien back? I, I, she wants to like just type in keywords of like demon summoning and like where do demons go and like just try and put in a bunch of keywords and see if she can find anything to back up what Felicity is talking about. Or even just like summoning circles or she's just like furiously trying Mm -hmm. to find anything. Roll to investigate a mystery. Look at that, we're playing Monster of the Week. I made someone roll a dice. Stephanie sees... (laughs) Um, Raven pulling out the phone to search. Oh, don't bother. I don't think anything's there. Like, I already looked. It's something that I've heard occurs on that site. You know, just think it would be more of a thing if we saw, oh, wow, dang, talking to trees is wild, huh? That's so cool that someone does that. I don't think it's that wild. It's pretty normal. 
I rolled an uh, 11. My end. 11's pretty good. I can ask two questions. Well, I will ask, in reference to Damien, where did it go? Where did he go? See um, if there's any kind of demon lore about, or even anything about, like, the, the planes or the realms or, like... There's been one user who their handle has been darksong52 or something like that. <laughs> something edgy. And, yeah, something edgy. And they have posted many, many times about their theories or their, like, experiences, quote-unquote, with demons and, and the infernal and that sort of thing. And, like, a lot of their posts, they'll be citing things from, like, books they've read or texts or whatever they've researched in their investigating of this topic. And the concept of demons has existed in lots of different cultures throughout the world. Sometimes they're depicted as monsters. Sometimes they're depicted as, like, spirits. There's the Western, right? They were angels that fell. And then, you know, in more Eastern traditions, demons are sometimes just created at the same time as the the forces of good and are always locked in battle with them and that sort of stuff. And so where they go depends a lot on the mythology that you're referencing, but it's always usually another place that is not the earth and certainly not heaven or paradise or nirvana or whatever the human culture decided to call that idea. Last time when you were all here, actually this morning, Aiden had looked at the scroll Hugo laid out and was like, that's what we call the place apart. That's where they come from. She never said anything about where they go when they're killed, but I mean, you could ask her. She's kind of been busying herself and like not engaging with the let's bring Damien back conversation because she doesn't sound like Mm -hmm. she wants to really. So she's taking things out of those bags that she like salvaged and is like (laughs) kind of splitting things up like, oh, this is for Hugo and just doing what she can to like keep herself busy so that hopefully no one asks her to like contribute to bringing Damien back. (laughs) She just like doesn't like the idea of it. Whitaker, this sounds like like nonsense and sadness. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't really know how to interact with it either. Is Hugo here? And is Hugo still broken? Hugo's in his apartment. Agent Whitaker's gonna knock on the door. Hugo, are you in there? Mm, Well, yep, yeah. Do you still need medical attention? Or are you sort of magicking yourself back together? I'm good. Whitaker opens the door. (laughs) It's unlocked. It's entirely unlocked. How's Mr. Rashad looking? Yeah, what are you up to, Hugo? Are you magicking yourself back together? <laughs> nope, he's actually reading through his books. Which books specifically, so that I know? Like, what is Hugo looking for right now? And is he also investigating mystery, possibly? Possibly. Um, right now or- he's going through a book that probably has more information on either Celtic mythology or Egyptian mythology. Whitaker's gonna um, walk over, and he's got his he's got his first aid kit with him. When he knew that Hugo was not going to the hospital, he was like, well, "Here we go." And he's gonna walk on over and start asking him questions, like, "Are you breathing okay? We breathed in a lot of smoke in there. Are you coughing at all? Is there any raggedness to your breath?" No, he's no, like I'm pulling out the bandages and shit. I'm yep. fine. Would you like some tea? I appreciate the offer, actually. But one moment before this thing gets infected, when you look at his leg. Agent Whitaker, you lift up his pant leg to, like, see. If anything, the pant leg is probably burnt off. Yeah, like, it's just charred and ruined, and there are holes, and you rip that bit away. It's Uh, like a sexy pant rip. (laughs) No! (laughs) Stop it. We don't have ships yet. But games will only happen when we start (laughs) It's sexy. It's a little sexy. 
I'm sorry. It's it's a very respectable, and it's burned like around a circular area, and you can't see any ankle. It is no a tasteful ankle. rip. A tasteful, a tasteful rip. Tasteful rip. <laughs> tasteful. He promises to buy him new pants. Uh huh. When you do see like his leg where it was bitten, you see that the wounds are not very deep for how much blood you saw before coming off of his leg, and they've already scabbed over a little bit. He's almost already better. Uh, and Hugo, you feel that warm feeling on your wrist and have been feeling it since, like, the middle of the fight when you started to get your ass kicked. Mm-hmm. You didn't tell me you were magicking yourself back together. I would not have stormed through the door. If... I have a feeling you would have anyway, but like I said, I'm fine. What, what exactly is going on here? What's, what's sort of, what's powering this? It, he, like, he, like, this. He does, like, a cursory, like, you know, like, takes out the, like, bacitracin or whatever and, like... <laughs> It's kind of like, yeah, uselessly like, like I do something. I already ripped the pants off. Nature does what it does, Mister Rashad. I I don't really do well with vagities. Do you even understand what's going on? Not in the slightest, and I like to keep it mm. that way. Really, no no curiosity at all. I saw oh. you have a whole chunk torn out of your leg. I thought I was have to going to have to set three different bones. And now you're sitting here, basically right as rain. And you're not the curiosity. least bit curious. More curiosity than I could even begin to explain. But you, you know that old saying about curiosity and cats? But satisfaction brought it back. Yeah, sometimes it's not satisfaction that brings it back. At that, Hugo, we're going to flash back to you. Oh, no. Hugo, <laughs> you are in grad school. You've been working on your dissertation. What is it on, in particular? I'm honestly not sure. Something concerning the combinations of social anthropology and cultural anthropology, and mm-hmm. the differences and similarities of the two. That's what you're writing as your thesis. Mm-hmm. But we both know that you have this side project that you've been working on probably since like sophomore year, when you like really started doing research and like got some field experience. You've been noticing things and piecing them together. And so like, as you hit save on a draft of the midway point of your actual thesis project, you then do the thing where you just push back in your wheelie chair, spin around, and then you're on your like pin board where you've got all the strings and notes and photographs. And Raven would be very proud of you if she knew you at this point in your life. And it's pointing to symbols and different rubbings you've taken of ancient ruins and artifacts and, and things like that. You've got one one big thing now that you've written down and underlined. It's the last thing you wrote, last time you worked on this. And it just says, who are the whispered? And you just kind of sit there at your desk, tap, 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 tapping your head. I want you to read a bad situation. A seven. All right, just one hold. So ask a question. I think of the questions that are there, the best one's probably, what's my best way in? You have been researching the existence of this organization, this... It's an order. It's an order, yeah, a, a tradition. And a lot of what you found has been ancient, long lost, but connected. And in ways it shouldn't be, like across different cultures and like thousands of year gaps in time, this symbol reappears. Most recently, where you got the whispered, that's a recent thing, where you actually were in Portland, whether it was for school, work, or pleasure, but you saw this symbol appear on an old telephone pole. 
that's like plastered with many, 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 many other ads and things and lots of like old rusted staples. So like anyone else looking at it would be like, eh, weird thing, whatever. I'm not really paying attention to it. But you've been studying this and looking for it in ancient things and you just saw it on a pole in Portland last week. So now you're like, I have to figure out what this is. It hasn't gone away. It's still around. And so while you're sitting there musing, two cloaked figures just appear. One leaps through your window to your little like dorm room. The other steps out of your closet and one of them puts a bag over your head and the other one holds a cloth up to your mouth. The next thing we see is you waking up in a dank, dark cellar. That smell of mud that's been dry mostly, but has like one wet spot and an iron jail bars with a latch door and everything. You sit up, obviously panicked and frightened. And these cloaked figures, some of them are in robes, others are just in like all dark body suits with like a mask that conceals the whole of their face, like a fencing mask, but black. And they're just watching you and kind of murmuring to themselves. What do you do? How easy is it to see in here? There are some uh, torches outside of the room. So everyone is backlit, but the light is coming in and shining into the space you're in. And am I restrained at all? You're not bound or gagged or anything. You don't have your phone. You don't have your keys or anything, but you're dressed. I'm gonna try to find the nearest exit. There isn't one. <laughs> oh, this is crap. This is a cell. A figure steps forward. How did you find us? Find, find who? And another figure steps up. Why are we even questioning him? He knows there's only two options. And uh, a third figure steps forward and says, Because it is unprecedented, no one has discovered the order. In the entirety of our existence, they have always been invited. You guys seem like you have a thing going on here. I'm just gonna go, okay? Okay. Door is locked. There's no, <laughs> there's no exit. Can he get to the door and at least try the door anyway? Yeah, he totally can. Then he turns <laughs> back around. You got a key? <laughs> One of you guys has a key, right? And they all regard you and then leave and go away from there. And you're just left there in this cell. And they don't come back wait, right wait. away. How did they leave? Because I imagine them just kind of like phasing through the wall. No, they, I mean, they head up a hallway. And if you like stick your head kind of through the bars, you can't get it through the bars. But if you look, you can see like there are more cells. Doesn't sound like there's anyone else. I get a phone call, right? They turn a corner and they're not there. And so Hugo, you're there for hours, days, every so often. And it feels like ages before it happens one of those figures in all black comes by and will leave a tray of food. And it's not like bad food. It's just a chicken breast and some like steamed vegetables and like a glass of water. They're feeding you at least. Do you ask that person at anything at all when they show up? So when can I leave? Like this food is great. This is perfect for my diet, but please, <laughs> I got business to attend to. I have papers to write, kind of in crunch time. They don't answer the first time and more hours pass. You're just left there alone. No one is coming to see you or question you ever. You're here in this cell. And a little while goes by, that person in the black comes back. Might not be the same person, but same getup. And they have another plate of food. This time it's like shredded ground turkey and sweet potato or whatever. And they're, they're going to leave. Yes, them anything? When they come in, how, how are they standing? They have good posture. 
They seem like they are performing a duty, which is to deliver your meal, and then are not going to dilly-dally about it. So are you just going to go? You don't want to chat? Keep me company? Have a cup of tea or something? When you say tea, that one stops. About heel turns, looks at you. You're here now because of asking questions. Maybe stop, and they turn and go. More time passes. You fall asleep eventually. You got nothing else to do. You wake to the sound of footsteps. And these are clearly footsteps meant to be heard. The other times people have shown up, you sort of were spooked a little because they're wearing like soft sandals to keep their footprints from being heard. But you just hear sound of like modern shoes on this damp stone floor. A gentleman in a dark brown suit with an argyle vest and round glasses and a salt and pepper beard comes over to the bars and he says, Hello there. Hi. You got food too? Because I've eaten plenty. I'm, I'm good. He laughs at that. No, I, I have something a bit sweeter to offer you, I think, than food. My name is Joseph Argyle. I'm a professor, and I'm going to venture a guess that you would like to get out of here. Yeah, although I don't think you need a degree to know that. Certainly not. But you're going to need more than that if you want to be freed. He has a little folding chair with him, and he unfolds it, sits it down. What's your name? Well, assuming I got out of here, it would be Dr. Rashad, but, well, that doesn't seem like it's happening anytime soon. My first name? Hugo. Hugo Rashad. Hugo, you have done something that has not occurred in... Well, the history of this order existing. Are you aware of what the Whisper is? Not really, except the fact that you guys apparently have been around for a long time, been in many places, and are very, very bad at hiding where you put your symbols. Well, sometimes hiding something in plain sight is the best way to remain unseen. Your special case, Hugo. I'd be lying if I said that... Getting out of here will mean your life will go back to the way it was. It can't. Not knowing what you know. But I'm here to offer you a deal. A way to make this new life of yours mean something. It won't always be pleasant. But it will certainly be more pleasant than living out the rest of your days here in this six by six. This, this is kind of a tight space. I can't tell you more until you agree. I'm afraid that's just how it works. But if you agree to be part of the Whispered, you will be free in a way that most people aren't. And I don't just mean from here. And he gestures at the shape of the cell with his fingers. Let me guess, my other option is death or something, right? And he reaches into his back pocket, pulls out a snack, slowly opens it, takes a bite, or something worse. Oh, that's not comforting at all. It's not meant to be. Okay. So let's say that I did go over with this. What does it entail? He offers you like the rest of the granola bar. And when he does and you take it, he pulls back his sleeve and you see this tattoo on his wrist. It seems to go up further his arm, but you just see like the first start of it on the on his wrist. Hugo, have you ever thought about getting a tattoo? 
And end of flashback, you look down and that tattoo of yours is glowing slightly as its magic works to knit your body back together. And you'll recall the last thing you were saying to Agent Whitaker was that satisfaction is not always worth it. And he just sits there for a while and then he goes to make some tea. Do you stick around, Lonnie, or do you go talk to someone else? He offered me tea. I'd be rude to leave the place. <laughs> Fair enough. So Bethany, Raven, Felicity, you're in Aiden's apartment. She probably also is getting drinks together or something, but not really contributing to the conversation. So do we need, like, do we need, like, stuff? I don't know how this works. I think we just try. You want to just wing it? Yeah, the tree said that I do need um, other people, so maybe we just need everybody. I don't, I don't know how summoning works. Uh, I do know how to wing it. I had a 9 a.m. It was a seminar in uh, family relationships, and I completely winged my whole presentation on codependency that is born from abusive relationships. I can wing anything. Look, here's what I'm thinking. If we have enough people here, Maybe we can just appeal to his jealousy or his envy or whatever he has that makes him want to be with us. And if it seems like we're having a cool enough party, if he really is indeed alive, he'll just come back because he wants to. Aiden sets down the drinks of water as yes. you're saying, like, is that how this works? You cannot wing this. I, I do have a question. Does this go against some stuff? Because you're an angel and we're going to summon a demon in your home. Are you gonna burst into flames, or is the entire building gonna blow up? Like, should we really go to Hugo's and maybe not, you know, she, risk that? Because I don't also, know. Are you just on an emotional level? Are you okay with that? <laughs> she just kind of runs her hands through her hair, like. <sighs> so, I don't know how religious any of you are, but. It's not going to offend me, but he's not. Damien doesn't belong here. I don't belong here. I. That's a little hypocritical because you are here. And so he. And we like having you here. Also be here. <laughs> if one person's breaking the rules, might as well have everybody. Everybody right? break the rules. Some rules aren't meant to be broken. I mean, it was broken for a while, though, and. Nothing awful. I mean, like, you did steal from a bunch of people, I guess. But I wouldn't say that's world-ending. Wait, who, who's making these rules? Or are these just, like, fundamental things I should know? It's me now. I'm making the rules. Oh, good. I like when Felicity makes the rules. <laughs> Aiden's already, like, wide eyes get even wider when you say that. Um, Felicity's god now. Um, it's me! <laughs> she says, I'm begging you. Please don't do any more magic without someone showing you how first. I, it's so dangerous. Show me how. Raven's writing a it. list. And she, she found like, some like paper and she's writing down like people that Damien likes, like, making Damien jealous enough to come join us. And like she's <laughs> writing down the, a list of things that mm. might help with yeah. summoning him back. And then she's like candles? Question mark. Mm -hmm. Bethany, I want you to roll investigate a mystery. Okay. Because back at Miscellany, we had that uh, book on, on demons and angels let there. Let me see. That's a 10, baby. Do I choose from those questions, or do I get to, is it just an example? I never know with Monster of the Week. I 
believe you're supposed to pick from those. And then if you decide later on you want to make investigate a mystery one of your advanced moves, one of the features of rolling a 12 plus on that lets you just ask a question straight up. I also still have a hold from earlier. I had like two questions mm -hmm. and you answered one. So I've just kind of been hanging on. Do you so want to Bethany... ask the second one now and do a tag team thing with it? Yeah, I'll get mine out of the way. And then yeah. that way okay. you can. Um, so I was going to ask, and it's kind of up to you, I guess, to interpret mm -hmm. it. But I was going to ask, what is being concealed here? Hoping that maybe both of us in different ways could gain insight on how to generally make a like summoning circle. Maybe not specifically hmm. how to summon a demon, but just like how to set up a summoning circle. Even if on Raven's blog, if it's like containing ghosts or like having to do with anything supernatural, just like how to set up the circle safely. I want to hear Bethany's questions and I'll answer all three yeah, of course. in like succession. You know what sort of creature it is? It's, it's, it's a demon. Um, I'm going to ask what can hurt it so we don't do that. To could we <laughs> could we maybe learn some of demons' weaknesses in general? Yeah, that, that could just help. Us. Let's see. I'll start with this, Raven. In terms of what's being concealed here, and this is you now having a chance to breathe and sit and have like a moment to like think. Aiden isn't lying to you, but she's definitely withholding something because if you remember, she said a bunch of different things leading up to this point. It's my fault. I should leave. Damien's not normal. She's not giving you the full answer. Yeah, we're um, really going against her wishes here. You're not sure if it's because she like doesn't want you to know or if she's like worried what will happen if she does tell you, but she is not being 100% honest with you mm -hmm. um, by omission. Yeah. So she is concealing more stuff that she knows about this or maybe thinking about herself. Because she's like, I don't think we should do this, she's not offering it up. So you could try and pressure her to, like, tell you more. Bethany, when you ask what can hurt it, you recall that Granny Jones used salt to create that barrier on miscellany. And when you think about that, and you think, I wonder what she knows about this. Yeah, do I give her a call or do I just... It might be worth it to try and call the store. Yeah, I'd call miscellany. I put it on speakerphone. <laughs> Okay. Aiden says, uh, I'm going to go check on Hugo. Please be careful. And so she'll leave. Phone rings once, twice, three times. Welcome to Miscellany, your spot for old books and new treats. It's Mira's voice on the, on the recording. Please leave a message. We're not here right now. Beep. Uh, hello, Mira. I, I hope you're doing good. Felicity Starnbrook! Oh, you're there! And you hear her voice come on the recording. Hello! And she so, says, my dear, how are you? I'm so good now. Thanks for asking. So I do have one question. That's you, allowed, yes. What's your question? It's kind of a, a, a lot, so be prepared. How do you summon a demon? I knew I liked you. And you hear her pull away somehow from the recording? Because again, it sounds like her recorded voice, even though it's like clearly her talking to you. And you hear her be like, Granny, they want to do a summoning. And, <laughs> and you hear like crash, <laughs> like something goes clearly dropped. 
and she says, where are you, my dear? In an angel's apartment. She just laughs at that. She just, like, giggles. <laughs> my, my, my. Well, you should come by the store. I'm on my way. We'll be waiting. And then, like, they're recording, like, beep. <laughs> Guys, we're going to visit my girlfriend. All of us? Everyone. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Raven, we're going to help Felicity on a date to summon back our friend. What a great first date. Right? Wow. Wow. I you know what they say. Wait till like the third date at least. You know what they dinner say. People who summon demons together stay together. I have heard that before. Yeah. Never mind. It's a common, common phrase. <laughs> yeah. I definitely have a T-shirt in my closet that says that. Hello, adventurers. It's been a bit of a sad episode so far. All of the characters are dealing with having lost Damien, and we thought that this week's sponsor would be able to cheer you up, mostly because of the content that it is. Mink the Seder, who is a cosplay friend of ours, has decided to sponsor the show so that we will compliment her for the entire break. And also, I'm not alone on this ad break. I'm here with Felicity and Raven. Say hi, guys. What's up? Hello. So now we're just going to come up with nice things that we think would be fun to say about our friend Mink. I will start and say that Mink is an excellent teacher, and that applies to both their real-life world and also the fact that they were my mentor when I was learning how to cosplay like a cool person. Hot. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) It It is canonical that Agent Lonnie Whitaker's favorite favorite cosplayer is Mink the Seder. Whoa! Natalie, if Mink taught you and you taught me, is Mink my grand teacher? Yes. 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 Mm -hmm. That's how that works. I guess everyone's here. This is fine. Wait, wait. I I got one. (laughs) I, I, I got one. I got one. What's your compliment, Hugo? You see, the world needs niceness sometimes. Sometimes. I can say for a fact, of all the people I have met in my life, Mink is easily the kindest of all of them. Mm. Can so confirm. Wholesome. So wholesome. Yeah. Incredibly, incredibly generous person. Supremely creative and talented. Like the, the stuff she comes up with blows my mind every single time I see it. Uh, and can we talk about the fact that she's trying to cosplay like every single Pokemon ever? I was going to say her work ethic is remarkable Absolutely and absurd. a little intimidating. <laughs> Horrifying. Could, so good. You, you could say she's got to craft them all. Yeah. I think yes. that's literally a tagline of hers. If you have not seen her Twitter, her Facebook promotion page, her Patreon, if you have not seen any of that stuff, you need that's to. That's true. Yeah, you can see the amazing costumes that she will just create in like a week's time on top of being an education teacher, which is like- Ridiculous. Yeah. Wild. It's literally wild. She uh, didn't pay us to promote all of her stuff. She just wanted compliments, but we love her too much to not promote yeah, all of the amazing stuff she does. You can't get away with it, Mink. We're going to plug your stuff because it's worth it. And I think our audience would like to see it. It's great. For sure. Also Let's... hot. <laughs> also hot. So there you go. If you would like to get a little ad spot and sponsor the show and we'll just say nice things about you let us know you can reach us at the storyteller squad at gmail.com thanks for tuning in adventurers now let's get back to a very sad episode about damien 
I uh, think we should make that a reoccurring segment called the Storyteller Squad Compliment Corner. I love that. <laughs> We're going to cut away, not to any of the hunters, and what we see at first is more of that swirling, dusty wind and sky, and a rock being tossed up into the air. As it's like, reaches the height of before gravity is going to start pulling it back down again, something rushes past it, and it explodes. And we zoom in and see that this is a very large chunk of stone, not a tiny pebble. And chunks of this rock just are falling and scattering and causing impacts and craters. And Wrath is standing amidst these things as they fall down, just swinging her arms forward with her long clawed hands. And when she like whips her hand, the force of it flies out super super anime style and like cuts through the rock causing it to like shear off chunks and blow apart and she's basically throwing a huge tantrum destroying stuff she reaches down into the ground instead of picking up a handful of dirt causes a, a major portion of the ground next to her to depress and then she whips that up and throws it into the air another just massive chunk of earth and rock which she then like continues to swipe at and destroy almost foaming at the mouth she's just ah! Ah! screaming and the last chunk that she throws up she goes to cut it up and a hand grabs her arm and stops it the chunk in the air falls and she looks over and there is a kind of tall pale gentleman very gaunt cheeks with tight shaved hair with like a little bit up front he says you have been asked for azazel what does he want? That's not in my job description, I'm afraid. Come. And rather than like move or let go of her arm or anything, the two of them snap out of that spot. And then, and he pushes her forward. She stumbles a little bit, catches her balance, straightens her tie. And uh, he pulls out a clipboard and like, out of smoke a little black chair appears and he sits down in it and just starts writing up in front of wrath is a, a dais with some stairs that lead up to it where there are these like arcs of lightning crackling and shooting off from it there is a younger gentleman standing atop that with his arms folded behind his back we don't quite see his face we just hear his voice you are causing trouble again azazel and when he speaks, his voice almost like sends like a sound pulse at her and she has to brace against it. I was giving her what she deserved. You know, I've never been able to let it go. You see like a finger of his twitch and suddenly she is bracing herself on all fours, trying to push herself up from the ground to avoid being like pummeled flat against the ground by this invisible force. You sent your beasts after humans not directly and he like twitches another finger and she's now flat against the rocky surface and he doesn't say anything she just like coughs up a little blood i wasn't involved only with her and the older gentleman in the seat as he's writing 
He's not in a good mood. And we see the head about to turn, but as Hazel, without even looking at him, is just like, enough, fine, fine, fine. You're right. And the force stops and he doesn't turn back, but his head goes back to that, like facing away from her position. She gets up, dusting herself off a little bit, cracks her shoulder back into place, wipes the blood off of her, her mouth. What do you want me to do? We know where she is now. The gentleman at the top says, I cannot have you breaking the truce that has lasted for millennia over a simple grudge against our sister. And his voice now is shaking and the rocks are like cracking and falling apart as the lightning strikes them and explodes around her. And Wrath takes a single step back and her mask flips. And now it's the smiling fox mask and she's there, cool and collected. Of course, my prince. I will stop my torturing of our sister. We do not want to break the truce, after all. The man's figure, which has been like vibrating with energy and power, calms again. And the rocks slowly start to like reform themselves into the pillars next to him. And he says, uh, Good. I don't want to have to call you back here again. And she nods and does a quick about face and takes like one or two steps past the older gentleman who's writing. And he just kind of gives her a look like, you fucking breezed by. And she gives him a little fake smile and does that static flicker away. Let's pick up with Aiden going over to Hugo's to talk to the two of you. She pokes her head in the little door that connects your two apartments. And she says, hi, Hugo. I just, oh, uh, Agent Whitaker. How's the patient? Surprisingly in good health. And she comes in, closes the door. You said you wanted to talk to me earlier. I want to know what all that was about. Oh, <sighs> you should sit down then. And she'll go over and sit on Hugo's couch. And she says, bring her a cup of tea. thank you. She takes like a quick sip of it, puts it down. Just start asking questions, I guess. Well, to start, who was that? And how do you know her? The... Being in the reflections is my sister, Azazel. She is the demon prince of wrath. And she lets that hang in the air. She kind of looks at you, Hugo, like, do you know that that's a big deal? She doesn't ask that, but that's kind of like what the silence is. And without getting too far off topic, what does that make you? I think you're someone I can trust, Agent Whitaker. But... If I tell you, it's going to change how you see things. I've never in my life backed down from a situation where I could understand things better. I would want to know. She nods. She puts her cup down on the saucer. And she holds up her hand with the the burn marks. And she just rubs them. And she says, Azazel and I were the first. We see Aiden in her gold glowing form, her wings spread wide, and she is soaring over this perfect forest garden. Birds join her and fly around with her, and she laughs, and Aiden is 
bright and full of life and excitement and just wonder at this space that she gets to play in. And she lands on a branch and leans over on another and looks down at a pool where there is a tall, very muscular man and he is swimming in the water with a woman. Aiden smiles as she watches them and her aura of serenity extends and washes over the two humans who, even though they are already in paradise, sense this feeling of complete contentment and turn to wave at her. She waves back to them and seems to take a great degree of satisfaction knowing that they are safe and happy here in the garden. There is more beating of wings and Aiden is joined by another angel as Azazel lands beside her in this tree. Azazel is also radiant and golden, dressed in white with wings just like Aiden's. She says, What are you doing here, sister? Watching the humans again? Aiden tucks some of her hair behind her ear and smiles up at Azazel. Well, they're my responsibility. I was made to look after them. And Azazel stretches lazily, and a little dancing flame appears in her hand. Must be nice. At least your humans get to play in the garden. I'm just supposed to watch over this fire. Aiden pokes Azazel's cheek with a finger. Fire is beautiful too, you know. And Azazel smirks and dispels the flame in her hand. It's okay, I guess. I just came to say hello anyway. I don't want to bother you if you're busy. You never a bother, Azazel. You're my sister. See you around, Aiden. And Azazel lets herself fall from the branch before spreading her wings and flying away. We hear Aiden's voice sharing this story with Whitaker as other scenes of her life in the garden play out. She dances with the other angels, she helps the humans build and craft things in their homes. I was made from the great tree. And we see Aiden flying again, gliding past this monolithic tree. It's larger than any tree that has ever physically existed on the earth, and it glows from its core with the same golden light. There are other angels amongst the branches. Some of them gather fruit, others are just sitting and talking, and they come and go from this tree as they perform their duties and spend time with each other. It's where we all came from. Everyone was given a purpose, and mine was to look after the humans. They were still brand new, and no one really knew what they were going to do yet. They were such an unexpected thing. Some of my family got jealous of them. And we see a, a figure who we don't see the face of, but standing in that same arms folded pose, looking out at the garden atop a cliff, dark clouds gather. Aiden says, I suppose perfection wasn't meant to last. And we see Aiden flying through this forest now as like winds are whipping and a storm is brewing. Lightning is flashing. You hear thunder, sometimes cries, like people in trouble. She lands in a grotto and ushers the humans into a little cave where she like then spreads her wings in front of as lightning starts landing on the ground, tearing it up. Her hair's whipping in the wind, her golden form still bright. Azazel lands, still glowing and golden, and she says, Aiden, come on, we have to go. And Aiden is crying. What did you do? And Azazel just says, We're just taking what should be ours. Aiden is like, You had everything. We all had it. And Azazel says, Aiden, it doesn't matter now. It started. You have to fight with us. I can't. 
I have to look after them. And she looks over her shoulder at the two humans who are now like huddled and scared. Meteors. <laughs> the sky catches fire. And now glowing figures are descending from the sky and more are rising from the ground to meet them. And Azazel holds out her hand one last desperate time. She says, are you coming or not? And Aiden shakes her head. She doesn't say anything and her wings close in around her and the cave opening and just are now locked there. Azazel, her eyes now also well up with tears. Damn it! Ah! And takes off like a rocket. There's like a sonic boom as she flies into the air. Aiden watches silently weeping as the war for control of paradise rages between her siblings. And lights and the flash of explosions and magic are reflected in the shimmering surface of her shielding wings. I lost everything that day. The whole world did. We see Aiden standing just outside the entrance of that cave as fire sweeps across the land in front of her. There are blackened trees as far as the eye can see and smoke choking the air. And the beauty of that place has been torn from it in a way that not even fire should be able to do. She watches the two humans leave the cave and set out to look for shelter from the destruction. And we cut back to her in the room with you. Azazel blames me for not choosing her side. Yeah, Whitaker's a little speechless. Understandably so. She looks up to, like, gauge your reaction. She's also looking at you, Hugo, because, like it or not, you are also party to this story. Hugo is mentally going through a checklist of different stories he's heard about divine entities and all that stuff and he's just crossing off every single one is just being wrong <laughs> yeah right, like, Whitaker yep. was raised protestant so he like, he's like <laughs> okay, so there's, there's a little bit in here so she says uh i think i have to leave and she kind of looks at the wall that adjoins her apartment and yours hugo mm-hmm. i also can't i want to bring damien back They're going to try and summon him, I think. I can't stop them. It's their choice, but I just don't want them getting mixed up in this any more than they already have. A little bit late for that, I think. Raven pops their head in and is just like, are you sure you're cool with us doing this in your apartment? We will take this whole thing somewhere else. Uh, can we have a minute? Sorry. It's, It's okay. She'll just close the door. Raven was secretly on the other side of the door listening to everything about Do you want to retcon that, that you heard that? Um, <laughs> I'm okay with the, it. Maybe the last bit. I don't think she was creeping the whole time. I think it was more of like, oh, let me go. Oh, are they talking? Like, oh, is yeah. this important? Should I not mm-hmm. interrupt? And so she caught the okay. last bit of the story, heard so that I the think, story ended. And I was think like, probably, okay, yeah, I think probably I what you door. caught was Azazel blames me for not choosing their side. Mm-hmm. Bunch of distractions. Not even that part, just the last, like, Azazel blames me. And then I should leave, but I can't because I'm worried about them. And she can't stop you from summoning Damien, but she doesn't think it's a good idea, which you knew already. But yeah, that's she went over there with the intention of double checking that Aiden is okay with it. That was what she was going to ask in the first place. And that's what she asked, even though she accidentally was eavesdropping. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was not her intent. Okay. Hugo's gonna start doing some dishes. He's going to look 
down at his wrist at the tattoo. Then he's going to look to Aiden and simply say, do your job. Then he goes back to the dishes. She nods. Yeah, I guess you're right. What are the chances that your sister comes back? Has she ever done this before? I don't know if she will or not. She has found me in the past. They're not omniscient, but they have ways of finding out. It's not a secret that I'm here to them. And like it or not, when I use my powers, it's like turning a light on. Maybe we should find a way to put a dampler over that light or find ways to keep you from having to use it. She keeps sending monsters. I don't see how. There is the chance that that she'll be made to back off. By what authority? By a brother. Pride. Ah. Lucifer was, well, he helped strike the truce, and I don't think he wants it broken. And nothing she did today would have broken the truce? Technically, no. It's a very fine line, Agent Whitaker. I'm not going to lie. It's more the spirit of the thing. I see. Maybe you should leave. He looks sad immediately after he says it. She says, I know. The longer I'm here, the longer I'm a beacon, more of a target it paints on the three of them. And you. You're part of an agency. You have the order you've been brought into. It's different when you're the only one for so long. Yeah. Half the time I don't even know if what I'm doing is helping. I mean, for all the beaconing you've done, you've certainly saved our asses more than once. Couldn't save everyone. She touches the hand that Damien had grabbed. They really want to bring him back, don't they? Yes. I don't even know if it will be possible. He's not like other demons. What are the chances they just open a doorway straight into hell and release whatever else is on the other side? If they get the right instructions, then it will either fail or it will succeed. These things tend to be fairly specific. Are you okay with them attempting it? It's sort of your job to stop this sort of thing in any other circumstance. You too, Hugo. We can kind of go about it the way my mom always talked about smoking weed. Just do it in the house and make sure I'm around to supervise. Sounds fair to me. If anything nasty starts spilling out of it, well, we got the three of us to um, fireball it before it... uh, makes its way out into the real world. I can't do that. You know that, right? That's not... Hugo's just gonna look down. very important. Can you do 66's worth of damage? <laughs> what level do you think he's casting this at? No, those are rookie numbers. You gotta pump those numbers up. <laughs> I don't know what level wizard you are. <laughs> She's like, I guess I'm going to make space for it. Well, at least you don't have too much property to damage. Yep. And she does like an awkward, like, and I want to go. And like, <laughs> like, God. Uh. When she gets back to her apartment and like opens the door, there's like a little note. I think Felicity probably wrote it. Um, Felicity would absolutely write going to see her girlfriend. That's true. Yeah. I'll say. Going to get the demon info. Be back. <laughs> Love, Felicity. You're not going to tell him where? Oh, yeah. P.S. Yeah, it's at my girlfriend's. <laughs> it's at my girlfriend's store. Okay. Perfect. 
Aiden just like reads the note and like swings her arms back and forth, like, all right, I'm gonna clean my not stuff and like <laughs> sets about like <laughs> pushing her like plain coffee table to the side. <laughs> Bethany, Raven, Felicity, go back to the mall. Um, the fire trucks have left. It's been a little while. You spent some time at the apartment and driving back and forth, despite it being pretty close, is still like a 20 minute thing either way. It is closed, so if you're going to try and get into Miscellany, you're going to have to either sneak in or find some way inside. Is there a door from the outside that we can knock on, or do we have to go into the mall? I mean, there's probably a door on the outside, but having not worked there ever, you wouldn't know which of the, like, backdoor access ones oh, okay. it is, you know? But it's not, like, an entrance. I was hoping no. we could, like, knock and, like, wave and get their attention. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's one of those malls where, like, you go in and you find all the shops, and there are clearly other exits for like the employees to go in from but mm-hmm. can i read a bad situation yeah it's bad that it's locked yeah it is <laughs> i got a nine hold uh, one what's my best way in <laughs> <laughs> your best way in you do a drive around of the entire mall you know those like access roads that loop the parking lot and at one point you see there is part of the mall that spatially lines up with where the hellhounds came in that seems a lot more charred, a lot more blackened, and has, like, yellow tape. And, like, there's no door there left to lock. So if you sneak in through there, that's probably the best way, rather than trying to, like, get in through any of the locked mall doors. All right, cool. I found a way in, guys. Let's go. You point it out as Raven yep. is, like, driving you around. So you guys park. You head over to that area. You do have to, like, sneak past the tape, but there are no, like, police watching this scene. So when you come into the mall that smell of smoke is still in the air and there's some soot on the walls and things you head over to miscellany which oddly enough does not have any of this soot on it probably because of granny jones's work none of the books are damaged it's like a weird untouched portion of the mall and the rest of this wing that was like had a fire happen to it (laughs) it does have like a gate pulled down the way most mall stores have Um, is the salt line still on the floor can we see it there's, like, bits of salt, but it's not, like, a solid line anymore. So if, if we, like, reach up and kind of poke at the gate, there's no there's barrier anymore? There's barrier okay. there, no. Yeah, the magic has been spent or dispersed. Cool. But if you want to investigate, anyone can do that. I got a three. Oh. Spark experience. Okay. You reveal some information to the monster or whoever you are talking to. I reveal some information? So I just go, Mira! Mira, I'm here! Have you talked to, like, have you said Bethany or Raven's name since coming in here? I don't think so. Okay. When you call for her, the lights are off, so it's a lot darker in here than it was when you first came shopping this morning. But from that same, like, nook couch that's up on the, like, second loft floor of the bookstore part, you see Mira's head pop up same way as it did before, but it's a little different. She has very active and fluffy long pointed ears and antlers uh, that are coming out of her like wavy red hair and she says felicity starnbrook what a delight to see you and she doesn't come down the stairs she leaps from that second story balcony but you see she just lands and she is standing on a pair of hooved furry legs with little white spots on her haunches. She's got a little white deer tail that's flicking back and forth and like a little green and yellow kilt. And she skips over to you and gestures and the gate swings up, takes her hands and she says, my dear, 
It's so good to see you again. Come in, come in. Ah, and who are your friends? And she slowly gestures her hand out. <laughs> um, this is Raven, and this is Bethany. Are you Mr. Tumnus? Because that's all I'm thinking right now. And I had a <laughs> big crush on him when I first saw Narnia. So I'm feeling a lot of weird feelings right now, but Felicity, it's all you. And when you say that, Bethany, she says, you're not wrong. So did I. <laughs> I mean, have you seen him? I mean, he's fictional, but we all have, you know, we all have crushes. feelings for him. But she, she welcomes you in and takes you into the, the back area where Hugo had gone before to, like, talk to Granny Jones. And Granny Jones is there. She has some books on the table and a couple candles lit. And she's sitting there with a, a cup of tea in her hands. Mira says, oh, Granny, they have arrived. And she does, like, a not aggressive, but, like, very assertive arm around your shoulder, Felicity. Hey, Mira. So I came in, right? And are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? I'm so ready for this. What is it? I came in and you said, Felicity, my dear, but here's the thing. How would you like to be my dear? <laughs> Mira lets out this high-pitched giggle. <laughs> oh, you are a delight. And like boops your nose and ruffles your orange hair. And she says, we haven't come for that. You. Oh, oh yeah, we're summoning our dead friend back. That's right. (laughs) Granny Jones kind of sets her key down and she says, Mira can be distracting. You're telling me. (laughs) (laughs) So, you three girls want to summon a demon. I would have thought you'd had your fill after this morning. I know I have. Thank you again, Granny Jones, for that salt that you gave me. Really came in handy. I saw your work with it after. Very impressive for a novice. Raven kind of blushes a little bit. <laughs> the compliment. Like, oh, mm-hmm. wow. But yes, we would like to summon a demon, please. Not, not any demon. One specific We're very specific demon. about the demon that we would like. You might have seen him today. He was fighting with us. Um, he boiled. I don't need specifics, dears. Whoever you choose to contract with is, well, it's up to you. Question before we we just completely move on from that. Contract with? We didn't make a contract. I didn't. um, Did we do that with? I look over at Raven. What is that? Did we sign any papers? Or is this? Mira laughs. Well, most witches form some sort of contract with spirits or other powerful creatures. It's oftentimes the source of their magic. And she walks over and puts a hand on Granny Jones's shoulder. Granny Jones and I have been together for quite some time, haven't we? And Granny Jones looks up with like an old wrinkled smirk, winks at Mira, and looks at all of you, and she says, I suppose it's about time a new generation learned the ropes. How many of you have cast a spell before? Felicity's over-enthusiasm and Raven and Bethany's hesitation. She kind of, like, takes note of that. She says, Raven kind of uh, thinks, like, <laughs> did that count? She's thinking of, like, the weird, like, witchy stuff she's done in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, Just a Ouija board once. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nothing happened. Mm-hmm. It was at a sleepover in um, ninth grade, I think. Granny Jones says, first timers then. All right. 
Mira, get them what they'll need. And Mira says, only for you. And goes back and like opens a, a file cabinet and starts like taking out little vials with like cork stoppers and things and handing them over to you all. And I'm going to send you all a list of what she gives you. Damn, I gotta see if this works in my component bag that I already have. Make sure I can finally cast all my spells. So essentially, Granny Jones writes down a little list. Mira gives you some candles. She also gives you a little brass brazier. She gives you a little felt baggie with a drawstring that when you open it and look inside, it kind of looks just like loose hair. She hands you a tiny stoppered chemistry vial that just has a, a black powder in the bottom of it. She hands you a little crystal, which, Felicity, you have tons of these. It's mm-hmm. familiar. She gives you another little stoppered thing. This one's a little bigger, and it has a, a dried-looking root in it. So she gives you those things, and she says, That's all we've got on hand, but the other stuff you'll need is pretty easy to come by. I hope you're not thinking of switching, Felicity. Mm-hmm. I can't let you go giving yourself to some demon. That would be... Well, it gets messy. I'm very competitive. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. I kind of, this, I mean, a little bit, this was my idea. She just, like, flashes you, like, a perfectly white smile. I don't think you'll be getting into too much trouble. Just remember me. Wait, me? Mm-hmm. Why would I, I, I could never forget you. That's what I like to hear. I do have one question. Do, like, a lot of people fall in love with you, or am I... Are my chances good? Oh. Oh. Oh All right. Such a legitimate question in a world like this. I know. I know. It's so good. She strides over to you and puts her hand on the small of your back and dips you with like a long deer leg, like extended. She looks at you directly in the eyes and she says, there's enough of me to go around. And she kisses you. Your eyes get that same, like, sparkling, like, green flashes happening when she does that. And then she, like, picks you up, messes your hair up again, and says, I'm looking forward to whatever else you decide to get into. I read a bad situation. Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> that's a seven, so that's, it's, it's okay. All right. And what is my question I'm going to choose to ask? Are there any dangers we haven't noticed? Um... All right, let me ask you a question first, and depending on how you answer that, it will inform. How often has Bethany, like, read Raven's blog, and how much does she, like, internalize of what she reads on it? Yes, Bethany, tell us. (laughs) Yes, reveal to the class, please. So this is a complicated thing. There will be no flashback, but just imagine for yourself, if you will, a flashback. Mm Mm-hmm. Bethany, on her first, second day of being on campus, felt very alone, and she missed everything about home, including the people that she had since thought she left behind. Mm -hmm. And she was reading the blog, and she remembers Athena looking over her shoulder and saying, hey, what you reading? It is not just Bethany reading Raven's blog. It is every member of Kappa Alpha Theta Stanford chapter. It is something that they don't get crazy into. But after a little bit of wine, you know, like on just those nights that they're just chilling together in the house, uh, they're uh, like, hey, did you hear about this? She didn't intend to read it as much as she did. 
she okay. fell into people talking about it, which fell into her reading it because everyone else was. And now she kind of reads it once a week. Bethany asking this question is not looking specifically for supernatural dangers. The danger she's the most worried about is Felicity's heart being broken. Bethany's focus is, will Felicity be hurt by this situation? Is this a manipulative, scary situation for Felicity? And do I need to give her the hard truth? I would say you have not known Mira long enough. Um, and also you literally found out five minutes ago that she was some sort of satyr creature. So I don't- I mean, It's not like she's a demon. Yeah, she's not a demon. At least you don't think so. You could ask her. Granny Jones seems fine with her. Like Granny, Granny Jones doesn't have horns people. and hooves. Like she, Granny Jones just seems like a person. And she's like talking about witches. So Granny Jones is like some sort of witch. Probably the most you could read from it, Bethany, is that Felicity may have more than just a schoolgirl crush on Mira. Like there might be some sort of connection here on like a magical level. Mira is clearly very possessive, but also very delighted by Felicity's presence. She's like almost doting on her. Like, beloved, my pet, my like sweet, precious thing. Like, you know, she's just enamored by Felicity being there and being with her. So as far as Bethany can tell from her reading people and just her impression of Mira, Mira is genuinely very enamored with Felicity. Or it seems yeah. at least very genuine. It's definitely genuine. It's not like a, a fake attraction slash like fascination. It's it's clearly sincere. Also, does someone still got a bond with this demon? Because look. That is more a situation of Granny Jones not knowing your full situation. Oh, that's, and, okay. And not really wanting to know either. You all three clearly know about the supernatural. So she's like, yeah, okay. You want to get into this? Here's your basic summoner demon starter kit like it's, it's just like selling you like you know how to cast spells 101 for dummies and in fact raven how are you reacting to this whole situation one satyr two green jones clearly has magic where's raven at uh raven is not surprised by granny jones being magic she kind of got hints of that earlier has mm. kind of accepted that at this point the satyr thing freaking around a little bit <laughs> and just like oh that's new never mm-hmm. read much about those thought that was kind of like a fictional narnia thing we, yep. we covered that raven's super creeped out by this thing that's happening with felicity and mira mm-hmm. like on one hand she's super happy that like felicity has like made this new friend and all this stuff but i think she's kind of aware that they just met like that day yeah and yeah, they're like girlfriends <laughs> and they it just seems very there's something off about it. Raven wants to be happy for her, but is super, super does not trust Mira in that mm. regard and is really creeped out by it. <laughs> Raven's got it in her head to like talk to Felicity later about like healthy relationships. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're gonna have um, a little a girl chat later. <laughs> Raven, Granny Jones focuses in on you. Felicity's obviously <laughs> engaged with other Busy. things. Yeah. So she hands you a small book. This was my first. See what you can do with it. She'll like gingerly take the book. Is it like a book that's like written? It, is there it, stuff inside or is it like a journal? It is written. It's in like a very flowing cursive. And you can see like on the cover, it just says B period Jones with like a little flower drawn on it. 
clearly she's had this a long time. I wouldn't start with a demon, but see what else you can summon. Noted. Thank so you. Kind of a, like, not hands off, but just like, here's the instructions. Here's the ingredients. Try not to blow yourself up. Raven is very honored <laughs> about this journal and like holds it to her chest and is like, thank you so much for all of your help. We never would have been able to even attempt this without you. It's good to know Autumn Falls hasn't lost its weirdness. Yeah, if anything, it's just gotten more weird. Also, Raven brought her backpack, and so all the stuff that Granny Jones gave them is just going in the backpack. Perfect. Granny Jones then gets up, takes her tea that's, like, finished, and she says, "Uh, If that will be all, it's been a very long day. I'm going to head home. Come along, Mira. Mira lets you go, Felicity. Take care, Felicity Stonbrook. Can't wait to see you again. Follows after Granny Jones. (laughs) I'm counting the minutes until I can see you again. (laughs) Goodbye. You guys have a book on summoning and ingredients and instructions, essentially. What could go wrong? Yeah. It's fine. We're good to go. Felicity, I'm sorry you've known Mira for a while in the bookstore. I had never seen you two talking before today. No, I met her this morning. Isn't she lovely? Bethany and Raven exchange a look. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think you're moving a little quickly? I'm not one to judge. I've done some weird stuff, but you think you might be moving a little quickly with her? Have you thought about that uh, at all? No. Felicity, is this this your first girlfriend? Yes. I think this is just how it goes. Just be careful. I don't want to see you hurt. Well, I'll try my best, but I'm dating a deer now, so who knows how this is gonna go maybe get to know her a little bit better that's all i feel like i got to know her pretty well just now you know what her favorite color is i'm assuming maybe fall colors she likes my hair well next time you see her you can you can find out stuff like that the situation is adorable yeah (laughs) 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 she'll hand the book over to the two of them to look over while we drive back. Okay. Raven really, really, really wants to read it, but she can't while she's driving. <laughs> How about you guys just read it out loud? I'll listen. Reading it out loud is the worst idea. <laughs> I like, skim it hey, and give me a summary. Yeah. yeah, don't, just don't. start reading spells. Don't spells. read it verbatim. <laughs> oh my god. Raven just slams on the bricks. What are you, crazy? Yeah, in the distance, like... Hugo drops a glass. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Aiden gets a, a cold chill down her spine as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They all like drop need... glasses of water at the same time. Another gray hair appears and Whitaker's already white mane. I feel like you need to change our name to the Disaster Trio. That's very Absolutely. good. As you read from the book, this is the work of a young Granny Jones. She's clearly piecing things together. She talks about things Mira is teaching her. She talks about traveling places, visiting special spots that are good for magic. She says that in particular... Special places in nature are very good, but also hallowed ground. You essentially get the idea that for summoning a weak, low-level demon... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I know. I know. But in order to do that, it's a fairly simple combine these ingredients and perform the incantation. You're going to need more salt. Probably you should stock up. Yeah, we're heading to the grocery store. 
Have you seen salt. Raven and Bethany talk? There's plenty of salt there. You're gonna need some kind of alcohol. Yeah, we'll get it from Bethany's tears. Ow! Jesus Christ! All this shade being thrown. <laughs> Disaster crew Walmart trip. We also stopped at uh, the liquor store to pick up some alcohol. Yep, I was gonna ask, alcohol. is it alcohol like drinking alcohol or like rubbing, rubbing alcohol. alcohol? It doesn't specify. We'll, this is we'll stop at the liquor store and get like sh- like straight plain vodka. We'll also <laughs> pick up some stuff for us. Bethany picks up Jello. She's gonna make Jello shots on the way back just to give him something to take the edge off once yep. you know because she doesn't think it's gonna necessarily work. Okay. Oh yeah, I think Raven also is under the impression of, well, if this ends up not working, let's just get these drinks and we'll just hang out and it'll be fine. We'll get through it together. She gets snacks at Walmart to, like, backup plan in case this does not work. And if it does, we'll celebrate. So you make it back to Aiden's apartment. Aiden basically spent that whole time moving her furniture around and making, like, a clear space on the rug. Whitaker and Hugo, do you guys talk at all without Aiden? Do you come talk to her more? Where are you at? I didn't have anything in mind. Whitaker has tried and failed to get straight answers about magic out of Hugo, so mm-hmm. he's resorting to small talk. Hugo's there to go into actual magic theory a little bit, but not too deep. Give me a Grasping snippet of that. At those threads. <laughs> yeah, give me a little snippet. Magic can come from various places in various forms. Where does I yours come from? Personally, tend to tap into the magic of nature. It's cleaner. You don't have to deal with different factions vying for your soul or anything. I wouldn't say it's the nice kind, but it is the kind with the least amount of repercussions. All right. Whitaker, you've been thinking. You had Damien, brought him to the EC agency, brought him to this mall. He's gone now. A lot of your plans that you had for, like, investigating him and getting more answers out of him seem to be up in smoke or steam. Green goo, however you want to describe it. After he dropped that bomb about Olivia Eastie. Right. And that's what you start to think about as, like, the small talk between you and Hugo becomes less and less full of substance. You start to think, God, he knew something. He was onto something. And as you are writing in your phone, Olivia Eastie, life drain, question mark. We flash back on you. You are in London. You are up against a overturned desk in a police office where the lights are sparking and flashing because they've been either shot out or shattered somehow. There are bodies strewn about everywhere. And it's very dark, so we don't actually see a lot of Whitaker. We just sort of hear his breathing. We see him, like, fiddling with his gun. And we hear other people, like, (laughs) splatter of blood on the wall and, like, drips and things. And a heavy breathing and a, and a low chuckle. <laughs> yes, this is how it should happen. You peer around the corner trying to like get a shot. You see another officer who has like stood up and you see a, a dark shape move across the room and you see her like <laughs> fire a few shots and then just and she is impaled on, like, something. Ah! And more of this dark laughter. What do you do? Oh, my God. Um, is there an exit from where I am? There is, but it's across the room where all these, like, bodies are. You're basically in the bullpen. Mm, actually, I should probably, um, should probably read a bad situation. Probably. Thankfully, I've got tactical genius. I can roll with plus cool instead of plus sharp. 
Uh, it's just a seven. Uh, oh God, I guess I know the answer to most of these questions. <laughs> what's the biggest threat? As in, do I understand what's happening here at this point in time? Yes. Moments earlier, you were sitting at your desk working on just some paperwork and a errant web had come into the police office. You'd only had like a second to look up, see him. And when he met your eyes, he just grinned and then started killing everyone. Shots were fired, the lights were taken out pretty quickly. They either flickered out and then like the light bulb popped and exploded or they were shot out as people were pulling their guns and trying to like take this guy down. I mean, you see, you saw him take multiple shots to the chest and then continue to just like fly about, crawl on the walls as things were getting darker and darker. I don't think I specified this specifically. Aaron Webb uses they, them pronouns. Oh, perfect. They were just running around and slaughtering your coworkers. All right, um, Lonnie's just gonna stand up and say, why the fuck are you doing this? And they are immediately like in front of you so quickly, in fact, that they like push your arm up, you fire into the ceiling, and they then just like slam you against the wall. And when they smile, you see their fangs are out. And they say, it's an eye for an eye. Hey, we're involved in destroying my lair. So now I'm destroying theirs. And I have you to thank for it. You are a fucking monster. You got that right, darling. <sighs> and bite you on the neck. We see for the first time as we like focus in on Lonnie's face that Lonnie is not the middle-aged 40-something-year-old at this point. He is mid-20s, early 20s. But this vampire <sighs> sucks life energy from Whitaker's whole body, starts to be siphoned up towards the neck, and his hair turns white, and a few more wrinkles appear on his face. I have to ask you, Emery, are they still at large? Yes. Okay. It's at that point, you think you're dying. You're just like, this is it. But you don't, because they pull away. <sighs> That's just a little something to remember me by. And they throw you across the room. You hit a glass-paned window, crash, slump to the ground, and blackout. And that's the end of that flashback. I know. It's so sad. <laughs> I knew about this and I was still real upset about it. Yeah. So you're just sort of remembering that and that's when the disaster trio re-arrives. I brought jello shots. I love <laughs> We roll I love in with the idea so of like in the stuff. cinematic version of this, Whitaker is like weakly like pushing himself up glass <laughs> in the back of his jacket and just Eric Webb like, I brought jello shots and he like looks up for his phone like <laughs> Whitaker wow. takes a long look at the vodka and he's like, I've got some Knob Creek in my uh, car. That stuff's like absolute shite. It's for the, the summoning, uh, but also the jello shots that the summoning doesn't work out. You guys ready to summon a demon? Let's do it. Can I also establish something that Maddie and I had talked about where I, I think Raven picked up like cheap, shiny jewelry and like some kind of like indulgent snack and like things that would make Damien jealous. She grabbed just like a cheap scented candle that kind of smells like how you've described Damien smells. She like picked up little things that even though it's not on the list, she like picked up things that remind her of Damien. Which apartment are we in? 
You're in Aiden's because she okay. shared the space. Hugo, um, are you there right now? Or yeah, he's there now. Okay. Yeah, we'd um, invite him over. Yeah, Hugo, can we? <laughs> when... I gotta go grab something from your apartment. Felicity's gonna go with Hugo to his apartment and mm -hmm. go to the drawer where she found all the minis, and she's gonna rifle through until she finds. Do you have one of Slime Damien? Find one that definitely looks like a Slime Damien. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah. So she's gonna grab nice. Slime Damien mm -hmm. and she's gonna bring it back to Aiden's apartment and be like, okay. "We have visual." So nice. we can't mess up now. When you guys got back, you saw Aiden on her couch, which is like pushed up against the kitchen counter or the, the island that she has. She's changed into new clothes because her clothes are like either wet or scorched or whatever. And she's actually like sewing something onto those jeans that she wears. Raven's going to sit down next to her and hand her like a sleeve of Oreos and be like, I know you don't, I know you don't need these, but I just... It just, they'll make you feel better. Oh, thanks. I do like these. And she takes the Oreos and sets them down beside her. Also, what are you doing? So she is stitching a piece of galaxy print cloth into the leg of these jeans. I started doing this a while ago. I've been around a long time and I don't always win. So. I think it's perfect. Yeah, well. It just helps me remember them. And she stands up after snipping the thread and shakes these jeans out. And now that you're seeing them with this story in mind, Raven, you see that these jeans are akin to a quilt because there are so many patches on them. It's not as upbeat as her lucky jeans. Well, <laughs> it went from quirky, cute jeans to, oh my god. God, that's so sad. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Raven's just going to reel it all in and decide to think about it later. She folds them, puts them on the back of the thing, and just gestures at, like, the cleared space. Like, I helped, but that's all I'm going to do. Like, <laughs> All right, Thank Felicity. You. Felicity's going to start setting up. Bethany takes out the Theta pen, and she places it amongst all of the other things. Does Bethany have the pot with her? She has the pot, too. She'll okay. put the pin in the pot, and she'll put it down. Basically, you follow the instructions, and it says, according to B. Jones, that normally you would use this just to ask a question or contact something else. And it, it doesn't say specifically, like, this is how you get a demon. This is just a summoning of whatever it is you are trying to get. And you do that by having the parchment that has, like, the name of whatever you're trying to bring to you. And it's big magic! It's our first big magic. <laughs> Yay. Well, um, Felicity, I, I noticed that it said that we needed blood. Mm. Yes. Felicity, <laughs> without hesitation, puts in her own blood. How does she do this? Does it God. say like a bowl of This blood? is a dish. I feel go... like we would just take like a little, a tiny little bowl out of Hayden's Yeah, cabinet. I was going to say, I'm going to get a, a small plate, like a salad plate, and... Yeah grab a knife and just like cut the tip of my finger like you do when you draw blood. Okay. At least the knives will be really sharp because Aiden yeah. never uses them. Never uses them. <laughs> yeah. Aiden like sees you do that and like is so upset with like everything that's going on. We'll clean but... up, don't worry. And I have like oh, a bandage ready ah, God. for Felicity's finger. Like we're, we've got everything like prepared and thought out. 
it takes a little while because you know you didn't across your hand or anything you just pricked your finger basically and so it's like drip 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 takes forever (laughs) felicity you're probably there for like a while like i can feel my heart and my fingertip (laughs) 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 could we could we ask agent whitaker (laughs) what'd you say could we ask Agent Whitaker? I know he has like a little bit of first aid experience. Would he, if he's willing, would How he be able to like do the nurse thing to like squeeze? It? <laughs> you know, when they're like take a little yeah, 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 yeah. It might go a little faster after like five minutes of Felicity struggling <laughs> with it. Hey, um, Mr. Whitaker, <laughs> Mr. Agent Whitaker, can you squeeze the blood out of my finger, please? Oh my God. <laughs> Hugo, where are you? Uh, how are you feeling about this? Hugo is by the window. <laughs> All right, come here. And he, he takes the finger that you've already pricked, puts a Band-Aid over it, takes out a little cotton swab, puts some alcohol on it, like, does like, oh. the whole process. <laughs> it's going to get infected if you didn't do that. How much blood do you need? You don't need a lot more. I mean, like, if you just kept just going, to it fill the bottom of the have, plate. Like, filled the dish, it would have been fine, but. Yeah. Right. He does, Basically like, a, a, a tablespoon. A, a tablespoon yeah. or two, yeah. A cleaner prick on a different finger. He's like, don't ask me to do that again. <laughs> we won't. So that gets filled. And as you finish that and a few more drops land in the plate, you have to start to summon this demon. So because big magic doesn't actually use a role, it's just like you have to achieve certain things. And for this one, you just had to go talk to Mira and Granny Jones. I want all three of you to roll a use magic roll. Ooh, buddy. <laughs> as, we, as we work to bring back our beloved goop demon. Get ready. Baby, that's a four. That's a 13. Okay. All right. Does I cancel out the I four? I got an 11. And an 11. I'm okay with that. I'm into it. Okay. So essentially, I don't have like actual magic words for you guys to say, but. Okay. It's okay. <laughs> okay. Damien, yeah. Damien, please <laughs> come back to us. <laughs> I can look up are we all holding hands too? At least the the disaster trio. Are we the, just like sitting I on the floor we're holding like hands? Sitting you you are probably spaced a little too far out to like actually hold hands because you need space for him to appear in the middle. Oh, that's right. Right? Are, is it just the three of us that are doing it? Just okay. the three of you. Uh, you think the other ones would want to be involved in this bullshit? Whitaker is not participating. Not. Hugo definitely is not, and Aiden definitely definitely is not <laughs> in that order. The three non-disaster trio members of this little adventuring group are just kind of looking on, like, biting their nails, being like, this is, this is crazy. Felicity, you have used magic before. Mm-hmm. So you know immediately, all right, I'm going to tap into that feeling. And it's <sighs> magic time. And you do it. Your eyes glow, and you extend your hands out towards the center. And when you do, the stuff in the center of the brazier ignites and lights on fire and quickly burns down to coals. Even things that wouldn't normally have burned, like the the dust and the the keychains and the little jewelry and thing, it all just molts down into this molten swirl. And Bethany, you're, you're holding the vase, you're saying the words, you don't feel anything happening. You get heat coming off of it and you kind of like, like close your eyes a little bit and basically not performing any magic. Raven, however, you see Felicity doing this magic and you also put your hand out a little bit and all of a sudden you feel power starts to course through you. The salt between you and Felicity light up, completes the circle and like passes through where Bethany is, even though it like doesn't like go into her and let her 
cast anything, but the two of you are now connected, and your eyes take on that same <laughs> crackling energy, and your voices sync up and harmonize as you perform the incantation. The room rattles a little bit, there's light and flashing and things like that, and when you finish, <laughs> and pouring out of the little cauldron is a Damien goop. Which sort back, of director. So Damien is wearing an outfit that you'd say if someone worked at a music shop in like the late 80s, it's probably what they would have worn. It would be like a Pink Floyd shirt or something in a much newer condition than you'd find nowadays. Uh, so that's what he's wearing. And he goes to start pinching his... Where's the... Where's the... Bethany, I lost the thing. I stand up and heeding nothing, no precautions, I pick up the Thetafin out of the pot. And I walk over and I pin it to his shirt. <sighs> Welcome back. Bless. Less. Okay, the entrance is much better now. Thank you so much. Director Damien Edgecrest reporting for duty. Agent Felicity, you yes, have done sir. most excellent work. You are getting five promotions, three raises. You are in charge of any hiring. I don't feel the need to really give you many orders anymore. I trust you to operate in the best interest of the agency on your own, though I will offer suggestions. Having seen you in the field, I don't need to tell you what to do. You can see in his, like, his right hand, he's squeezing on a green stress ball. As he's, as he's doing all this, he's like, oh, Felicity, you did so well. And he begins, like, because he's still, like, in the salt circle, like, dropping jewelry on the ground. Uh, he also puts a small piece of pyrite, which is fool's gold. So it looks like gold, but it's Definitely not. And uh -huh. a Swiss army knife. Because agents have to be able to protect themselves. It is great to see you all. Uh, we need to immediately make sure that any reflective surfaces are covered and cell phones should be off as well. Aiden strides over to you and enters the circle also, stepping over Raven oh, as she does so. crowded in here. She kneels down and puts her hand on your chest, Damien, and it's completely quiet for a second. She's not doing any magic or anything. Eventually, after a moment, like, looks at you. You're weird. And then gets up and, like, goes and sits down on the couch, just, like, kind of puzzled. Felicity, how does, how does this work? I've never been summoned before. I've never summoned before. So... Well, you did a great job. Thank you. Your timing do you was feel... perfect. Hey, do you feel here to stay? Or do you feel like you're gonna just... Oh, no, I do not want to go back. Let me tell you, Rat, uh, Azazel is not happy with Aiden at all. And yeah. that means us by association. Mm. I Damien, I want you to roll weird, because you were resurrected just now. Oh, I do need to roll weird for that. That's what I was afraid of. <laughs> Oof. Ten. No, uh, nine. nine. I'll take it. On a seven to nine, choose one of these. Oh, wait, it's minus weird. Oh. Oh, I might want to burn a luck for this one. <laughs> so instead of nine, it would be three. Oh, because six plus three makes nine, but six minus. Okay. All right. We'll get to that. Damien's back. He throws out some confetti. 
<laughs> Do I smell vodka? Are we drinking? Yeah, we're doing jello shots. Oh my God, Woo! yes. Oh, you guys are the best. We're uh, celebrating. You're alive. And you you are okay. all alive too. I thought those demons would have torn people to pieces. Well, luckily the Edgecrest agency was there to assist. I know, Lonnie, I see you shaking your head. I'll I'll go back to being undercover. You as... can't. You don't get to call me Lonnie, you freaky son of a bitch. <laughs> I hand Damien a plastic shot glass with jello powder and then vodka put on top. I don't think Aiden has enough pots to actually cook anything. Um, or, um, this I don't is much know faster. Oh. she even refrigerates anything. And there it goes. How does it taste? <laughs> it seems like it'd be chalky. It, it's a lot. Hugo, Aiden comes over to you and hands you a, a shot. Two weird things getting weirder. Two weird things getting weirder. What flavor is the jello? Please tell me it's lime. <laughs> they definitely got green jello. Mm-hmm. Yes. Damien is going to go around. We don't have to have people actually explain and answer his questions, but he is going to go around to everyone and be like, okay, so what happened? What did I miss? How'd you take out the last demon? Did Hugo get to bring back the extremistics or any cool magic? How, what's going on in the blog? You've got to tell me, Raven, what's going on there? <laughs> Felicity, how did you pull this together? How can we summon more demons or defeat the demons? <laughs> or what What do you know? What can we now do? Agent Winokur, I need to find some more funds to grow this <laughs> agency out a bit, uh, but you are in control, so just give us the general things of what you need from us and our agency's got your back. Bethany, we've got to do Theta stuff. Oh, and Aiden, your place is so nice. I'm so glad you cleared up some space. I think while Damien is going around, <laughs> Bethany goes over to Raven, hand her a jello shot in quotes, the green powder, and then another thing I give her the Everclear. It's been a day. Um, cheers. <laughs> she, she takes some and she cheers with you. I throw back both drinks and immediately start coughing because it's the nastiest shit I've ever done. I think Raven does too. She tries to just like nonchalantly throw it back yeah. and then it's like, oh god, that it's was like, super oh, no, cool. No, no, no. Oh, that bad. was horrendous. I think we'll end that scene with Aiden being like, I can make jello. I'm not a sh- <laughs> <laughs> Raven pulls out like a wine cooler she got or like the, yeah, the black yeah, wine. Yeah. It was like, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. And right. so we, nuts, we sort of like pull everyone. away out of the apartment. The camera drops down through like a sewer grate outside and then just keeps going deeper and deeper. God and damn deeper. it. Fire, 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 wind swirls, and Wrath is walking along the barren nothingness, kicking a rock now, just like being pissed off, as is her way. We hear uh, someone from above her, I think you've been going about this all wrong, and she stops and looks up, what do you mean? And he says, you're not playing the long game. Would you like me to show you how? And her mouth creeps into like an unnatural toothy smile. She says, show me what you've got. And the figure who's sitting atop this spire leaps down and he is very angular features, but still quite handsome. Jet black hair doing that like gel spike thing with like a little bit of like a flop bang in the front. He's got a studded black biker vest with like a Conan like 
two women and panthers thing on the front of it right and then just like tight 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 leather jeans he says let me show you what i've been working on then we cut and we see a, a young adolescent boy in sort of a small suit with like high knee socks and he is walking down a hallway and behind him following him is this older gentleman who's just sort of balding with like liver spots and a very very old looking butler basically so the boy says hurry along graves i don't want to be all day at this meeting and the butler replies of course master elliot they are walking down this hallway and eventually they come to this like balcony that is seemingly part of a grand library of sorts where there are other balconies and little places where you can like step out and be seen in this hexagonal tower shape that goes down several floors. And we see other folks stepping out onto these different terraces essentially. And down at the base in the center platform where there's a little podium is uh, Olivia Eastie. And she says, I'm glad you all could come on such short notice and Elliot Eastie is leaning lazily on the banister like Bleh. and meanwhile we then zoom past him to look at Jasper Graves his butler standing there we look into his eyes and zoom way way in on the eye and we see the form of wrath and in the other eye lust and wrath is just grinning and lust says now this this is how you play the game. And that's where we'll end the session. Ah! <laughs> yep. Oh man. Hype train. It's fine. Hype train. Fine. Yeah, it's fine. Azazel's not going to bother you anymore. She got told off. It's okay. It's the long game now, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to fear. Wow. Flashback episode.